Welcome to Denny's Day. Uh, I'm Ryan Kinney of Heyman Productions Art Group and Beautiful Blasphemies Writing Group. Hi, I'm Cy Castells of Poetry, um, writing various things. Not really active anywhere right now. Stay tuned, though. Uh, we were, and uh, we'll come back in a second. But um, this is our, technically our Memorial Day Death Special. We're going to talk about death. But there is only two of us here that have shown up. Apparently, death scares people away. Hmm. Um, but so whether or not that's what we focus on is up in the air. It may go wildly off the rails. Mm-hmm. It could be death that scared people off, or it could be the fact that it's a national holiday. Could be COVID. Yep. Not this is a, kind of our first public gathering since COVID. Yep. We are both vaccinated. Yep. We have this doubling on uh, Zoom, but we have not had anyone join us. Yeah, so instead we're just being watched by a computer. We're watching ourselves on the computer. It's very masturbatory. So we're in the back of Denny's masturbating. Verbally. Verbal masturbation. We'll see how, we'll see if it changes to any other kind. Um, so as a quickie, you said, stay tuned. You were mentioning you do tarot readings, and I thought, threw the idea out there that maybe online and you shot yeah. back with twitch maybe. yeah i was thinking about doing tarot readings over twitch um the two barriers to that are number one technology because i don't have a, an especially powerful computer right now um although i suppose if i'm not like streaming a really heavy game or something like that it might not matter that much now and kind of shut out some, shut down some background things. Yeah. I mean, this computer over here for Zoom is five years old. I feel like it. I feel like I would have an easier time doing that if she I got. She already got his order. Thank you. Yes. So, um, but uh, the other barrier to that would be just ye old fashioned imposter syndrome. And like not feeling like I'm good enough at it, even though every time I have done a reading for someone else, without without pay, um, they've been extremely uh, gratified and felt that they received good wisdom from it. So I feel like it's just a matter of like getting to the point where I'm ready to try and then trying. Not that these Denny's days are ever wildly popular, but if anyone's listening and ever wants to shoot some ideas out there, feel free to comment. Uh, Or you can, uh, if you know someone else that's doing something similar, Mm -hmm. shoot us a link and we'll check it out. And actually there's another thing, actually speaking of um, trying new things, pretty much the last thing I tried before um, COVID started was... Stand-up comedy for the first time in my life. Wow, I tried one of those. I was awful at it. And like, well, here's the thing. I tried it, and I was good at it. Hey! I got several laughs. Got the fancy laughs. And I enjoyed it, and I <laughs> felt confident doing it. And when I, when I, you know, went home that day, I felt like I am definitely doing this again. This might be the thing that I that I'm, you know, best at. And then. COVID happened. Then COVID. And the thing is, like, I know it's possible to do comedy 
without a live audience. But I feel like as someone who was just starting out, yeah, you gotta and gotta make your bones on getting that um, work out the mechanics. Yeah, and and like just being able to like hear the laughter immediately when and and knowing what gets the laughs and what doesn't, and like knowing what plays well on stage. It it's like I feel like I need that feedback during the early phases of, of, you know, learning a new skill. And it is a skill. Um, but, like, I've, I'm not the most, like, socially confident person in the world. Uh, I, I'm 33 right now, uh, and, like, it has taken me this long to actually learn how to be socially confident in certain situations. I have learned, I have figured out how to how to go to parties? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is something that did not come down. You know, I kind of went backwards. I was always a guy that didn't give a shit about anybody, mm. so I went. I kind of did my own thing and was clearly an asshole. And then later on, I started doing this thing where I would just ghost out of the party. It was my time to go. It became an excuse to be able to drive home without anyone hassling me for mm. being drunk. But okay. then it became funny because I'm like, I want the interaction where people go, "What happened to Ryan?" <laughs> so I guess it's probably an ego thing. You know, like I want them to have a mystery but it's about kind of, me. It's kind of an, an anti-ego though, because like you, you're on, you're not thriving on the immediate knowledge that you're being. No, used. and in most cases, they'll probably go. He left. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of like, the fuck, Ryan disappear. Yep. Okay, bye. <laughs> but like, what? But what I've been doing since then is like I have this file on my computer. That is called comedy question mark. And I just put in like all the stories that I hope to one day try on a comedy stage. And I think that it might be time to start trying to look for comedy open mics that I can go to because you know places are starting to open up. So we got a few ideas on that. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of a local comedian called Bill Squire? No, I haven't. Alright. So I feel like he grew up in a boat that you're kinda in now. Because mm-hmm. he's pretty open about having stage fright and low confidence and body image oh, yeah. issues as well. I had terrible stage fright. Because um, he, he grew up as a chubby kid, was terrible at school. Um, still a big guy. But he uh, is one of the co-hosts on Alan Cox Show, 100.7 in the evenings. Like 2 to something, 2 to 7, 2 to 6. Um, but if you go, he also has free albums online. You can go read. Uh, yep, that's a dude. Alright. Um, he and it's Bill Squire at AlanCoxShow.com. He's pretty easy to talk to. You can hit up his Twitter or whatever, and you tell him where you're at. Um, there's a comedy club in Cleveland, okay. uh, and they do open mics. And this guy's pretty cool. And then there's also another co-host on that show, a woman named Mary Santora. Same thing. She's just starting out, and she was a bartender her whole life and, and a terrible alcoholic, blackout drunk alcoholic, and now she's sober and trying to make her dreams come true. To the point that she had to dump her fiance and all sorts of stuff. Because yeah. he wanted the family and the settle down and she wanted the, I want to go do my dream and careers. Right. But I think Bill's definitely your jam. Okay. And uh, just kind of read up on his story and I think it'll give you a few ideas mm-hmm. of where, because he, he started, he was a Mormon. In, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> lots, he of, compl- lots of good material there. Well, he got kicked out of the religion. Uh, of course. Because he went on his mission to Thailand and slept with a lot of the local prostitutes. Ooh. And started corrupting other people. S- I don't see why that should be a problem. I mean, they're consenting adults. They are, but it's against the Mormon religion. Yeah. Well, anyway, 
Um, you know what actually first turned me on to the idea that this might be something to try was because I'm a uh, I'm a longtime poet, and for a long time I've been a performing poet. And sometimes, and like, not all of my po poems are that serious. Some of them, some of them do are, are humorous, but um, most of them are very dark and depressing. But what I, but what what you can do in poetry is when you're when you're performing, you can introduce each poem with like a short anecdote or mm -hmm. or, or or a nice little comment or, or something like that. Just be like, this is a poem about blah 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 blah. And what I found was that I was getting laughs in my little intros. I was like, I I could like I could like you know just in, and and like I could have a serious poem, but it could have a funny intro. I'm always much harder on myself when it comes to the poems because there was an old acronym that I would go by called Rue. Resist the urge to explain. Yeah. Like, and, and, tell the poem and, and let it stand never, on its own. And I would never introduce my poems with an explanation. Like, people are trying to, like, I always... promise you this is good. Yeah. Because it lacks confidence in the work that's yeah. going to follow. Whereas, like, I would be like, um, um, Like, like, for instance, I would have a poem that I wrote um, that was about, like, being in a, in a dead-end job that, that doesn't stimulate you. And I'd be like, I, I wrote this poem while I was working at a gas station or something like that. And, you know, so just something to, like, give, give a tiny bit of context or just, like, you know, just, like, so it's not going in cold. Because I feel like going in cold, you, there's there, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but I don't really feel, I feel like that takes a different kind of confidence. Yeah, well, and you're doing the warm-up, which is more of a performance thing than a yeah. poetry thing. Poetry thing is less of a performance as it is stating the words. It's about yeah. the work, not about the performance yeah. as much. Yeah, and like, and I do feel like there's a difference between performing a poem and just reading it mm -hmm. and i my i aspire to perform my poems I, I aspire to like do more than just read the words that are on the page because i feel like if if i'm just reading the words that are on the page the pe the people may as well just be reading my poem mm -hmm. and there's a reason for me to be there in flesh and blood on the stage in front of a microphone using my human voice and like, and I may as well use that to its fullest potential. I've got only two that are considered only best if performed. I've got one that should never be read, yeah. never be performed because it's six pages long. Like it's really monotonous. It's only meant to be read. But I got one called Hammer, where the first couple times I performed it was at Destructicons, and in between each stand, I would smash a TV. Now I can't do that on a stage. Yeah. Although I have read that on stages, but I just replaced that with smash, the word smash. Um, and then I've got one called Identity Crisis that can be performed on stage, and that's where I'm arguing with myself. Uh, right. my, my friend Aaron Kasunik uh, does some of these with us, he's EIDG Productions. Um, I've tried to get him to make uh, films of a few of my works. Oof. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yours, right? Yeah, yes. I, yeah, he's the only one order. You're not ordering anything? No, but can I get a refill, please? Yeah, I just have to bring a pot. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Well, this is fucking delicious. Ah, uh, I'm glad I I'm glad I changed my mind at the last minute. This looks amazing. All right, I'm I'm glad you're happy with it. And we get all the nice ambient food sounds on our podcast. Yeah, it's 
<laughs> you taking the foodie picture too? Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, you did just say. I'm like, oh, she came right back. Thank you. Did you want? Do you want to refill on your coffee? Uh, yes, please. This was a good idea. Uh, so while uh, you're getting yourself prepped to chew down, I'll give you a few more um, to-dos coming up that might be some opportunities for you. Okay. Uh, so Ingenuity Cleveland has gone back to doing public events. Nice. So uh, they're doing outdoor thing called Neighbor Nights. So the third Thursday of each month, there is a, an abandoned building one block from Ingenuity on 55th and St. Clair. Okay. So uh, in Cleveland. Yes, yes. And it's right. It's a few blocks from where the Ingenuity actually is. Right. Um, and each one is themed. The next one coming up is going to be move, like get out there and exercise and stuff like that. What a concept. Right? The one in July is called The Power of Words. So you can guess when I jumped in and says, Ooh. I got some stuff for you. Ooh, I got yeah. all those freebie books we make. Um, do Beautiful Blasphemy. I've got, I used to host workshops for making poems out of cut up words. Mm -hmm. So there's an activity. Right. And how many poets don't have their venues anymore? Exactly. Oh and God. I know a ton of them because I went to every one of the Cleveland ones. And I know the Erie people. So I'm trying to talk them into doing a open mic there. Uh, I'm really trying to talk them, in, at least for this next one, to bring out my sculpture, The Hood, which is that big piano thing. Right. Um, that would make a great performance venue also for a poetry. Mm -hmm. One of these oh, yeah, is absolutely. the TV throne I'd like to use, too. That has to be at Ingenuity. You can't leave the building. Because it's got a security camera on it that I can wire to point at the performer and show up on all the TVs behind you. Mm. So you'd be surrounded by yourself. Yeah, that doesn't sound terrifying at all. Oh, this is a good... But they're behind oh. you, so you won't have to stare at yourself. Yeah. Just yourself would be staring at you. But it also means that if you see pictures of your performance later, and you don't like how you look... It could be potentially infinitely worse. <laughs> oh yeah, well it's magnifying you. Yes, absolutely. But that's but that's like, like. And it has a very it's unique a to, lighting thing but, to it. But like, whenever you're performing, you have to be willing to push your mm -hmm. personal comfort zone. That is the nature of performance. And well, and the TV throne's got this RGB lighting. It kind of does a lot to make you look pretty cool, because mm. it the lights are red, green, and blue, yeah. like the three projectors in a TV colors. But when they hit you, every shadow comes out in CMYK. Mm. So whether you I'd like yourself or not, that looks like. um, go to my Instagram. Uh, there's also an Analog Kingdom folder on the in the albums on the Heyman Productions Facebook page. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the cool things about this sculpture is getting your picture on it, so people come and sit on the throne and take their pictures. So there are hundreds of pictures of people doing this, and it looks best at night, in the dark. So, it does exist. It, the, the throne itself is called the Analog Kingdom, which was the beginning of what became that story. Because I made a little storybook right. to go with it. Right. So, all that good fun. So, uh, that's kind of my current. That's what I've been working on. I'm working on building a more than life-size TARDIS for my son. His birthday is July 8th, and I want to finish it before then. And deliver it the night before, so when he wakes up in the morning, there's a TARDIS in his yard. Yeah, that sounds... Gonna tear... His mother's gonna be so pissed off at me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good luck moving it. Bye! I imagine that you are a frustrating co-parent. <laughs> I am, because I'm the fun parent. I am, like... You know, there's a lot of things... 
about my life that I'm not happy with. But I am very glad that for the brief time that I was married, I never had a ch child. Because and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a parent, having children. Some of my best friends are children. But I, when I think of like an alternative universe where in addition to all the things I currently have going on, I am also trying to parent. Oh my god. So overwhelming. It, well, it completely changes your mindset. So yeah, a lot of what you had going on now would have been entirely different. Absolutely. It would have yeah. been a whole divergent I would have made a whole lot of different decisions for sure. Yep. And there are quite a few decisions I had to make because I had a kid, including losing the house that I had. I had to move this way to be nearer to him as one main thing, and also job-related, but that hasn't really worked out as well as I'd hoped. I'm a much better artist than an employee. Because in most places, I usually get bored very quickly and very easily, especially with any form of repetitive task, and start searching the internet for things I more enjoy to do. And then I get in trouble. I don't know if I have, I don't really have that problem so much because I do have, I'm, 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 I was one of those kids who got misdiagnosed with ADD because I was really just lazy. <laughs> I honestly was lazy. My son has been diagnosed as that and people have accused me of that. I am not ADHD, I'm hypomanic. Mm. Oh yeah. So I can focus pretty intensely on things. But like I have... I have the capacity to focus on, in, on pretty much anything, almost indefinitely. That's why I could run a, mar run a marathon, because I was just like, okay, I'm just going to run and not stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and not stop until I, until I reach the end. Like, that's not even that hard once you put your mind to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm lying. It was hard. No, no, physically <laughs> like, hard, yeah. but if you... Yeah. It's a it's mindset. Like, like yeah. I'm a small guy. I'm not this guy with tons of muscles, but I have lifted things that are hundreds of pounds. The trick is to trick your your, your brain into thinking that it's stopping is it. no longer an option. Right, it's the <laughs> half of strength is just your mind telling you you're, you're capable of doing this. And that's like... Half of it is physical ability, but the other like, half is, I'm not going to not do it. Right. And like... I'm like... And, and like completely, like when I've been um, weightlifting... I remember, like, when I was first going through through my, my divorce, like, when the ordeal first started. Like, the first time I went into the, into the gym uh, with this on my mind, I was, I was benching, which is my favorite thing to do because you can lift heavy weights while lying down. And I, and I was, like, doing, like, a relatively low weight compared to what I, what, what, what I knew I was capable of. And I was still, like, you know, I would do one rep, and then two reps, and then I would remember the thing that was going on, and suddenly I couldn't lift it. Mm -hmm. And I had to do the roll of shame, mm -hmm. which is where you roll the bar down your body. You have a spotter? I didn't have, I've never had, whenever I've had a spotter, it has not been worse than, than when I've... Oh, because you feel like you're being judged by the guy not, holding the thing? It's not just, it's not just that, it's like... I've had people try to like lift the bar off of me when I had it well handled. I've like it's Oh, they're just, just not good at doing the job. Yeah. I'm like and and you know 
Granted, at the time I was living as a woman, that may have contributed it to it, but like uh, still, I see. Like, yeah, men trying to be—it's uh, not really chauvinism, is chival- mock chivalry. It's it's chauvinism. You think? <laughs> I mean, be, like okay. So oh like, yeah, it's so probably like, probably. I, I was working at a mostly gas station. a little c little b. I was working at a gas station, and my and like I had. Um, an old man would deliver the rotors, like big metal heavy things. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what a rotor is. They would put yep. a stack of four rotors on the counter, I would sign for them. Mm-hmm. And then I would pick up the four rotors and start to carry them, carry them back into, with absolute no difficulty, because I was strong. And this old guy would look at me and say, no, you can't carry those. I'm like, I'm not a woman, but I have had that in my life because I'm small. I'm short. People don't think I can do a lot of what I can do. But I'm sure it would be worse if I was a woman. Well, because it's also like... There's there's an implication there. Mm-hmm. That this is something you can't do because you're a woman. Right. And then I understand. And, okay. and like when you're adding on that, the fact that I'm also trans and had not come out yet. Yeah. Like It's like, it's like being limited by something that isn't even part of me. Yep. I fair. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, you brought up something, and the topic of this had been death, right. but maybe we can talk about something, because I don't think you know the story. Okay. How about the death of a marriage? Mm. So, I will start with my story, so you have time to oh, gather that's your thoughts. A, that's something we have in common, isn't it? Yes, because I don't know if you know how my marriage broke up. My son's mother is not my ex-wife. Okay. She's a different woman. Um, but my son's mother does know my ex-wife. Did. Um, so I, high school sweetheart, grew up in Madison, little town, uh, moved out together, got engaged, bought a house, and then got married shortly thereafter, at 21. So I bought my first house when I was 21. Um, a lot due to her hard work. That was kind of her thing, like, she had to prove to her father that she was an adult and this was one of the ways. Except she bought a house a mile from her parents. I heard that that's what a lot of people use marriage for as, an, as a way to, like jumpstart. Well, I had I had proposed to her long a few years before that. We were engaged before we moved out together. We were kind of just still in high school. Um so you you notice all the red flags going on right, here. Yeah. Um I grew up from kind of a broken home. Uh my family was together but not very well put together. Uh I was abused by my mother. My father had some drug problems. There was a hidden court, a hidden outlet there all the fall along. Oh, I guess he must be experienced in this. Milkshake. Oh, yes. I forgot about the milkshake. Ooh, that's a lot of milkshake. Enjoy. Um, when I'm depressed, I know how to, how to eat. I, I get it. You're doing this thing hard. <laughs> this, is how I, this is how I do it. Um, so, uh, so, I don't have to keep saying it. Her name is Lisa. I don't care if... My one friend Aaron is always bitching if I use real people's names because suing. No one's gonna sue me. I don't care. Well, and you're, it's there's not a million exactly Lisa's the least common name in the world. No, no, no. Her name was Lisa. Um, now, if you use my first name without my last name, people might be able to track me down. <laughs> um. So, we got our house, and she was the kind that sort of worked um, constantly. She was a waitress. Um. 
I did lots of odd jobs, factory work. I, I picked up extra jobs at something like Denny's for a few weeks because I told her I could do her job and then tried it and couldn't. <laughs> um, the only good tip I got was from a gay man hitting on me. Oh. When I was I mean, still training. Whatever works. I, I guess, but then I had to explain to him that my fiance also worked here. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, then eventually she got a job at the Olive Garden. And that was kind of the best she could do as a waitress. Um, then she, so she started, we got the house and she was kind of like in this place, like, what do I do now? I kind of did my goal. So she looked at schooling and popular at the time was nursing. Everybody's doing it because you make so much money and so on and so forth, right? Except she's not good at school. Um, especially when you are working full time and going to school too. Um, she was overwhelmed. So she, you got all those early prerequisites. I did most of those for her. I never went to school. I mean, I never went to college, really. After I took a few classes at Lakin, but nothing to do with what she did. But it was basic, like, math and chemistry stuff and things like that, that you technically learned in high school. But most people are required to take it again because they forget it all by the time they get there. Because when you get into the actual nursing program, you get the harder stuff. Um, so I did a lot of that for her. I did her book reports, her English. All my, I read the book. She never even read the book. And some of these books were awful. Like... It's the guy who leads the class assigns the book he wrote. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is Kent Ashtabula. Um, that man was very interesting. Anyways. Um, so then starts the arguments and all that good stuff. And then finally she's like, I'm going to have to stop working eventually and enter the nursing program. I'm going to need you to do some more work. So I, she's already working on the weekends at the Olive Garden. Uh, we lived in Austinburg, and to mentor where Olive Garden was, was like a 45-minute drive. It's not worth it for me to drive out here for a job, but Austinburg did not have a second job. I had a factory job during the day. I needed the second job to build up the money so that she can go to nursing school so I could support her. So I'm like, well, you already have a job at the Olive Garden. I'll come do something there, and I'll just leave when you do, so we'll be technically making double money. I already knew I couldn't be a server, so I was going to be a host. My interactions with people are great in customer service if they're five minutes and under. Then my sense of humor gets on people's nerves. <laughs> or I take pictures with nuns. That happened once. This is why I'm going to help. One reason. I bet, I bet there's more. I know, they let me loose in a church before a wedding once and I put the crown of thorns on and took pictures. St. John's still here. <laughs> I took the selfie with the crown of thorns and I'm like, you left me alone in a church. You know me. <laughs> um, they needed a standing groomsman because one of their guys canceled on at the last minute. <laughs> that was their mistake. Wow. Um, so, of course, we start having the arguments. Of course, we start having it. Well, right. So, while she was working as a server and in the nursing program, there's an older couple that became regulars. They're in their 50s. Um, and they kind of got really close and talking and tipped her wildly. Um, found out what she was doing, kind of supported her a lot. And she had this weird, strange relationship with her dad, just a lot of animosity. Not really a ton of reasons. Other, Her, fan, her father wasn't the brightest man, but he was earnest. Like, and he would fully admit he wasn't the brightest man. But he went to work, he worked full time, he did what he could. Um, and he lived honestly. His wife was schizophrenic, and their younger daughter was schizophrenic. Which made it difficult on him, because he didn't understand, and he came from a world that was little redneck right um and his family abandoned him years ago because his mother was crazy so they didn't have grandparents 
One one set had died off. The other set. One of those things were like generations. Right. Passed their traumas. When her when her mother's grandparents died, the siblings, the aunts and uncles, kind of did some real dumb shit. So they cut them off. Her father's parent mother tried to kill him. <laughs> she tried to run him off the road with the car. Lots of lots of growing up things like that. Right. So he just cut him off. Um. Which is funny. I ran into one of his brothers years later and found out he was the more crazy one. So it was more him and his mother fighting, not just his mother fighting. Um, so, weird relationship with the dad. Has this surrogate grandparent kind of thing. Surrogate parents, because they, they were about the same age as her dad and mom. Um, and then the woman got dementia. And eventually she had to be put in a nursing home. At this point, my wife had gotten a license as an STNA to kind of try out some nursing right. things, which she was still doing that while working in the Olive Garden while going to school. Mm, that's a lot. Yeah, and it was on the brink of insanity. And yeah. then she's telling me I need to work to make extra money for her, too. Oof. And the husband was a manager at uh, First Energy. So he made a good amount of money, so he tipped more than the checks usually were. Well, when this woman went to the nursing home, my wife went to become a, an STNA at that nursing home to watch her. Oh, wow. Then the wife died very quickly. Her dementia went within a year. From the diagnosis to done. So the woman died in her mid-50s. And my wife did not process it at all. Instead, we thought more. To the point that what was supposed to be saving us money by driving together to work, we couldn't drive together anymore. And we had to work at different sides of the building. Uh-huh. Um, although I loved my wife uh, dearly, and we had lost our virginity together, I had never had sex with anyone else. Guess who did? <laughs> she wound up going out drinking with the husband. Repeatedly. Yeah. Until she slept with him, which I didn't actually figure out until after the divorce. But it was duh. People were kind of trying to tell me things. And I was like, no, no, I trust her. And I'm like, oh, he's like a surrogate dad. Well, you don't sleep with your dad. Yeah. Unless I mean, you have a serious Oedipus. Or electric complex. It's the other way, right? I don't know. I don't know what the term is. I think I think that like, those terms come from a time when the genders were considered so fundamentally different that there was no like female equivalent. It was just... This is something men go through. Who knows what women go through, you know? Yep. Um, so, I mean, it had been the nights where she stopped coming home. She would spend the night at their place a lot, even before the woman died. Because she would go there and be kind of a live-in health care for her until she went to this nursing home. That's one of the reasons she had got the STNA license, so she could go do that officially and get paid for it. Um, I mean, I was at their house all the time. And when the wife died, I was a pallbearer at that funeral. So... Then she stopped coming home, and then one night, I like she left for a while, and she had the checkbook, and I needed a checkbook to do something. Like I needed to check something in the checkbook. I found a letter that she had written to the guy on the floor that says, "I can't wait until I'm divorced." Oh. And I'm like, I didn't know we were getting divorced. News to me. So at, when I got home from work at 2 a.m. was when I found this because she was there and hadn't been there every night. And I was looking in her car for this checkbook, not trying to snoop, because I had no suspicions. I just needed the checkbook or something. Mm -hmm. And you're married, so this yeah. is reasonable. <laughs> yes. 
And I saw that, and I woke her up and says, we need to talk. She didn't say a word to me. She got in her car and drove away. She was scared of me. She was really scared I was going to kill her. I mean, because she went around later telling people I abused her. And I think that became a justification, and I honestly think she believed that. Um, we had gotten into fights before. I had thrown things around, and one time she poured water on me, and I backhanded her. Um... Both arguably assault. Right. And and part of it was a reaction. Like, I didn't mean right. to. It was more like someone poured cold water on me and I just reacted. Yeah, there's For the same reason I had told her. There's an like, thing there. If you, like, startle me awake, I might wake up swinging. Mm-hmm. Which I explained to every woman that's ever shared my bed. Well, I've been well, two yeah. that I've allowed to sleep. I mean, sleep. like, I've been, like, in, you know, like, in but, a distraught mental state and someone tried to touch me and I was like, don't touch me. It doesn't make it right I did that. It doesn't make it right that I threw things right. around. Yeah. Just wasn't a mentally stable place. I struggle with suicide in my life too. Um, I've never gone to the point of taking actions more like the thoughts. Um, although I did cut for a while. But okay, so that was the end of our marriage. Because then I got served papers very shortly thereafter. And because she knew she did something wrong and I didn't, I kind of got a fair er shake of the deal. She took most of the money for nursing school. I didn't hadn't realized she was sleeping with anyone yet. I just knew that she wanted the marriage to be over. Right. Which hit me like a ton of bricks. Right. She came and moved her shit out. I actually packed her shit up for her. Um, made the mistake of telling her I had the porno tape of us still. <laughs> so she took it with her. I'm like, damn it. It's okay. I still got the pictures. I can never share the pictures because I took them of her when I was 16. Which Ooh. would make her 16. Ooh. Yeah, those e. are gone. Right. But at the time, I had them. So, yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's best for things not to exist anymore. Well, I had kind of grown up with her family. Mm-hmm. Like, I was over their house every week for dinner. And even after our marriage was over, I still came over on Sundays and hung out. Because they were a bubble. Because the schizophrenic mother and daughter, they never socialized with anyone outside of their family. Which was just the four of them. Um, so I'd come and hang out and have dinner. Um, and then I'd go to holidays, and I'd be there, and so would the two of them. Her and the guy. Hmm. Um, and it pissed her off to no end. Um, so eventually, I kind of got back on my feet, started, like, what am I going to do? Um, and then there was this really smart woman I worked with at the host at the Olive Garden, and I'm like, you're too smart to be working here. Like, you can do better. And eventually got me to the point where I was like, oh, I can do better. Because I was doing all all my boss's computer work, and I'm like, why am I not the manager then? Like, oh, wait a moment, I can do better. So I started looking at school, kind of trying to figure some things out. Then I got fired from my job that I've been at for four years. The longest job I've ever had was about four and a half years. I've had 37 jobs since 14. Some at the same time. Jobs, but my longest was about. 2012 to 20... I eventually do something to either quit or get fired. So you beat me. (laughs) Yes. I either quit or get fired. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next longest was about three years. Right. Um, And then when I lost that job, her dad sent me an email, and he does not know how to email. (laughs) Sent me an email saying, don't come around my family or we don't believe in people who don't work for a living. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I ran into them 
about five years later. I never had closure on that, never had closure on marriage. My wife ran out the door and never came back. Right. Never had closure on them either, my surrogate family. And um, found out about five years later it was because she told him to stop hanging out with me. Um, Which, when our marriage broke up, I said if she ever makes a choice between me and her, you pick her. She's your daughter. And that's what happened. But he could have just told me that. Yeah. Instead of making up a lame-ass excuse. Yeah, and that is a stupid excuse. Because it's not like you were... Like, everybody goes through a period of unemployment at some point. So I entered school during the Obama era um, without any of that surrogate family... Uh, without any sort of job security. I had been working and never not had a job since the age of 14. So, and I'm a blue-collar family. No job means you're fucked. Right. Yeah, like there's no security. But the Obama era had unemployment that lasted, and I had a ton of money in my 401k that I cleaned out. I actually took a trip to Japan with it. Nice. Um, and then paid for my first two years of college. And then I knocked someone up. <laughs> that very smart girl... At the Olive Garden. Turns I thought out, that might, there might be an end to that story. Turns out, um, she was a virgin at 30-something, 30 32. Gotta start somewhere. Uh, Christian. So, duh. Waiting for marriage. Had a dude. Uh, dude bailed on her. Dude came back. Dude bailed on her a second time a week before the wedding. Oh. So, she flunked out of college due to depression and moved back in with her parents and spent the next decade working at the Olive Garden. And then Valentine's Day happens and you do not want to be in a restaurant when it's Valentine's Day and you're single. Especially the Olive Garden, which is supposed to be the fancy restaurant. Yeah, so we kind of made out, eventually became the sex, and then a year later she got pregnant. And she, the whole time she would never admit she was a girlfriend. So, and we kind of off and on dated, but it never worked out. Mostly because of her. I have an unending attraction to her, uh, which is why I'm not in a relationship now. Not really interested in them ever, but that might change. But I can't picture myself with anyone else. Right now, I'll just focus on my son. I love him to death, and so far I've gotten him to live eight years. Despite dropping him on the tire. Well, as a baby is screaming in the background. So that was the death of my marriage. My story is much shorter. Uh, okay. My marriage was much shorter. My marriage lasted, well, I was fully legally divorced before my one year anniversary. Oof. Yeah. I My marriage lasted about five years, and I had dated her about five years before that. Yeah, um, that's, and like from, from what I've heard, like most divorces occur around, like about, around uh, the five year mark, because that's when, if you're gonna get sick of each other, that's about when it'll happen. Sure did. Um, that's about how long my, my brother's marriage lasted, um, but anyway, um, we got married in... 2015. Let's see. We had. See, here's the thing. Like, I had. At the time I was living as a woman. At the time. Um. 
So it was married to a man because yeah. gay marriage wasn't legal then, right? Well, it was by the time we got married. Ah. But we got we planned the the wedding before the the actual ruling occurred. Okay. But it was in September of 2015. Okay. So it had been legal for a few months by then. But um, but see the thing is um. So I was living as a woman. I was bisexual, but because at the time I had mostly dated men because it's way more convenient for a woman to date men than to date women because there's just more options. I'll take your word on that. Yeah. Um, I haven't had much luck with women. Women are just like, I don't know. It's difficult to date women because like, you never want... They have expectations. There's very I mean, little yeah, expectations with men. They they want pretty much yeah. one thing. Yeah, but like, but even men can have their complications. Well, sure, of which course. Which we could get into if we wanted to. <laughs> but like, Too so I was presumed though. straight because a bisexual woman dating men always presumed straight. That's just the way the world works. So like, I had no like connection to my my queer identity in mm-hmm. terms of like the way I was living and that. That, in addition to, like, I had, I had um, lots of mental health issues, like, that I'm still working on to this day, but all that kind of added up to, I wasn't the easiest person to get along with. Never have been. Never will be. But, like... I mean, it sounds easier to get along with now, probably because you've already figured out more of that yes, than you did then. Yes, I'm much more... Like, you know more of who you are. I definitely know more of who I am. I don't know how... I don't know... See, it's hard to tell how stable I am right now because the material circumstances of my life right now are so... Like... I'm like... Spent the past few years constantly on the edge of, of homelessness. Just like... And that's like... It's just not... A not a place it's where not, you can yeah, build from yeah because you and, don't have like, a stable foundation but i also like i have never been more confident of who i am what i want and and where i'm going it's just a matter of like so you don't know yeah. you know who you are you don't know how you are yet yes exactly okay how am i um <laughs> but at the time like i was materially in a much more stable place, but mentally I was just completely lost. And one of the things that, one of the ideas that I kind of latched onto at a very early age was the idea that I wanted to be married. I thought, Did you grow up with kind of an unstable family too? No, no, actually. My parents um, are still happily married. Hmm. Um, I found that a lot of people that have really latch onto doing it right. Right. Which has definitely been a factor for me. But I, I felt like, I just felt like I didn't want to be alone. I felt like the, I, I read a lot about like, the about biology and anthropology and knowing that humans are social creatures, and that, like, no, we're not supposed to live alone. That's not the way that our brains are, are wired. And I just knew that like the best way to ensure that I would not be alone for the rest of my life would be to get married. And so I kind of made that into, like, more than any of the careers I've pursued, I felt like this was a goal. 
I did a lot of romanticizing of yeah, relationships. Yeah, I did a we lot were... of. I did. A, I was extremely romantic, um, cripplingly romantic. It was. I, I was. So the fantasies clouding the reality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it did mean that, like, um, when I, um, the my second ever relationship was with a much older man who already owned a home, a home in Parma, and did not really have any interest in marriage or family he was just content living alone in his in his uh um honestly too big for one person house <laughs> i lived in a yeah. too big for one person house yeah. for many years and like 13 years and 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 here i came in my early 20s and he's in his mid mid 30s just like just like and like we we got on really well. We the, the 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 commitment was there, but I had this idea of what where our relationship was going, and he did not. And and he kind of just went along with it because he didn't want to break up with me. Well, he ended up breaking up with me a month before the wedding. Oof. Sounds. Mm-hmm. See, like yeah. my son's mother um, and her guy. I think that was a lot of it. They had this idea of what it was supposed to be, and the guy kept having that same problem, is that he, he's like, especially with the Christian religion aspect thrown in there, this is what we're supposed to do, this is where we're supposed to go, and he's like, I don't know if I want this, I don't know if I want this, just because they say that's what I'm supposed to do. And also, I think they were both virgins, and I think the sex thing played a factor. It's like, if I want to have sex with a person, the only way it's right is if we're married. And that man was the man I, I lost my virginity to. Um, but like... So anyway, after that, like, I had a few short relationships, and one of them was one that lasted, like, a month and a half with a man much closer to my age, who was also a virgin. Here's the thing. He had never kissed. He did not know how to kiss. I taught him how to kiss. He did not know that you have to pucker. So, (laughs) having lost my virginity to one woman, I did not have much experience when I got thrust back into the having sex with other people realm. Um... And I learned the hard way, but I did most of it on my son's mother. Now, in my case, I honestly think what made us good together sexually is because she's exceptionally sensitive, possibly because of a lack of experience. But I think there's a biological aspect in her. She is way too open with her mother. <laughs> I don't need to know that because I do not want to picture her mother and sex. Um, whoops. Uh-oh. Avalanche. Ah. That's all right. Um, so, as we're talking about sex, <laughs> um, so I learned the hard way, but then I, re- a while ago, I, I figured out that I'm an artist, so treat it like that. Oh, yeah. And I have relatively well-developed hands. I have other limitations because I'm a white male, and I'm going to deal with what I got there. But I am an artist, and I know how to do things with my hands. Um, anyway, this guy, who I taught to kiss, his name was George. I feel comfortable saying that because, again, it's a common name. There's quite a few Georges out there. I mean, you could track him down based on the details, but I I don't think I don't feel like I don't think I'm gonna say anything too like horribly inflammatory that isn't. A matter of public record. <laughs> but anyway, he, after a couple of months during which I taught him how to kiss, 
Like, he literally just, like, without puckering his lips at all, would just... Just smack his face into yours? Yes. I was like, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, shit, at look, least I knew that. Look, you know in cartoons, people stick their lips out really far. That's There's a reason they do that, because the soft part of your lip is the part that, that, that you want to contact. Now it's supposed to bump noses. Yeah. Um, or teeth. <laughs> but, um, but I taught him, I taught him how to do it. And it was hard to, because like you have to sit down and think, okay, so what is, how do I describe with words the motion that I'm envisioning in my head? So you have to think back to, okay, what was kissing like wet back when it was good? <laughs> now, how do I describe that to this person who has never done that before? Oh, yeah, the first girl I kissed was the same boobs I touched. First boobs I touched. Mm. Lovely. Um... Still contact with her. So anyway, after after a couple months during which I taught I taught him how to kiss, he dumped me, citing just a vague sense of dissatisfaction and not feeling like like this relationship was what he wanted right now and like. It sounds like yeah. well one it's that sounds like it could be an excuse for there's someone else. It could be. Or it could be the video gamer kind of syndrome where the people are like, eh, that's yeah. too much happening. Well, and like, I'll take care what of he told me later was that he was, he was in grad school at the time. He, he was feeling ambivalent about completing grad school because he was starting to feel bored with it, as you do. I mean, I know it takes a lot to get through grad school, and he did eventually finish it. So kudos on him, but at the time he was going through a rough patch and he just felt like he needed some change in his life and ending this relationship seemed like a more, a more reasonable change to make than quitting grad school. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, why not? Anyway, the next year he contacted me and, said, and like was interested in hanging out sometime. And I was like, and the thing is, I never stopped being in love with him in all that time. So I was like, I thought about it long and hard, and I said, That's oh, you know why? what? That's the main reason I'm not dating you. I'm still in love with my son's mother. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, we got back together. Hmm, sounds awful. And, and he told me that breaking up with me was the worst mistake he'd ever made. And that he was committed to making it last this time. And I still had that idea in my head that marriage is what I want most. And like, this is a man who has said that he is now now committed to making sure that we stay together. And I'm like, okay, let's get let's get engaged. Like, cause I feel cause I felt like if we didn't get engaged, I would never be able to quiet the anxiety that he would leave me again. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out. It takes a little bit more than more than that to quiet the anxiety, and like we did get we did get engaged very quickly, and like we we set a date to get married somewhere like a year and a half after getting back together, and like during that engagement period, we moved in together. Uh, we we went through relationship counseling in to like make sure that we were prepared mentally, emotionally uh, to make this commitment. And while going through the through this counseling, like it seemed like what issues we had, we were fully prepared to deal with. Um, and like, 
whenever I had, like, the anxiety attacks, like, he would always be right there, like, reassuring me that he wasn't going to leave me this time. I bet you can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, we got married. And, like, I had been getting more and more neurotic as the wedding day arrived. I was having incredible dysphoria. One second. Oh, okay. I was having incredible dysphoria. Because, like, as I was saying, like, like I was still living as a woman. I, I was gradually coming to terms with the fact that I might be trans. But, like, I felt, like, preparing for a wedding... And especially the thought of wearing a dress at that wedding was just so, like, horrifying to me, but I could not yet articulate why. So that added to the whole anxiety of the situation. And, like, and when he described later his motives, he did cite my mental health problems as a major part of it. But, like, at the time, it was, like, it wasn't, like... They were coming out of nowhere. They were present before the wedding. They were present for months, years before the wedding. It was just like they were getting amplified as the wedding approached. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, before the wedding would have been a great time for him to back out. <laughs> yeah, about that. Before you have to pay for all sorts of things. Yeah, and I mean, it, it wasn't an expensive wedding. We, we were... I was actually thrilled with the idea of just going to a courthouse and getting and getting it done with, but he was set on having his mother there and having a photographer and like, and, and like, so we said, okay, so what's the minimum that you need to be satisfied that this is like a proper wedding? And we focused on those things. His mother was there. My mother was not. <laughs> we visited my parents afterward. Um, but like... Um, and I had a dress. It wasn't a wedding dress, but it was a dress. I felt like I was fulfilling my duty as a woman, but I also felt horrible about it. But that, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I figured there's like all kind, all there's gonna be like the rest of my life to as opportunities to, to explore my gender. But like, um, like. We got married in in fall. We had a really horrible holiday season in which I had severe panic attacks at every holiday because I was like we were like reinventing every holiday as a married couple, mm -hmm. and like and like there was it felt like there was a lot of pressure on that. And then like after we we like we went we drove down to Georgia to visit his father and his wife which was pretty atrocious because they are extremely conservative Christians. <laughs> and like, and like he, uh, my then father-in-law made a point of explaining to us how he did not believe that the genders should be equal and, um, and that, and like just all kinds of like terrible things. This is what you're supposed to do as a woman. Exactly. And like, I'm like, we drove home from that after we arrived home late late one night in early January he said I'm gonna go out and, and hang out with my with my friend um, and I was like okay I've, we've just spent a week in each other's presence so fine 
Um, and I like texted with with one of my friends uh, that evening too, and uh, like everything was fine. Then the next day, he came home from work and and told me that he was leaving. Who was the friend of female? No. Oh, okay. No, it was it was his his guy friend who he had been roommates with up until moving in with me. So the friends like, and, like this was a terrible mistake. What did you do? Well, his, or did he already have those thoughts? I as don't a friend? know. He had had those thoughts. He told me that he had had those thoughts at least for a month. I really wish I had gotten that from my ex-wife. Like some kind of like talk or explanation would have certainly helped the many, many years. I didn't get it until later, but like that night it was just, I'm leaving, you can't change my mind. And me following him out into into the into the street and like walking down the street watching his car drive away. Yeah, I've been divorced for eleven yeah. years, so I will never get that. <sighs> I'm sorry. It's fine. But also, like, it's kind of but having an explanation is really a double-edged sword because, like, when you have an explanation, that's just one more thing to fixate on. I'm sorry, this kid is distracting me. Adorably. I uh, know. <laughs> also, I like the how he's telling her to do better. <laughs> so, the day he left was the day before our three-month anniversary. Oof. Yeah. Also, here's another element of it. Um, the financial element. Oh, boy. So, a couple months before we got married, he finished his master's degree, and received his dream job as an engineer for NASA. Ooh, fancy. Making more than twice what we had been making combined before that point. I was working at a gas station. The day that he got that job offer, we went out to eat to celebrate, and, and like... And I was talking, and, and and we and we were talking about, well, what what are we going to change because of this? And like, are we gonna buy a house? Are we gonna get a car? Exactly. What, all that what, fun. Like and like, the biggest thing was I really wanted to go back to school. I had dropped out of school. Ah, I see. And I finally felt like I wanted to go back, try it again. What was it you were doing, or trying to do? Um, here's the thing. I've never been able to limit myself to just one major. But like, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm not really picky about um, majors or career fields. But I wanted to be doing something more than just a cashier at a gas station. Okay. I, I have, at various points, been an English major, an accounting major, a psychology major, a, a and an urban affairs major. Accounting sounds awful. I enjoyed accounting. The thing is, though, there was a bottleneck, and it was called intermediate accounting, and only one professor in all of you of Cleveland State University teaches it. And he did not teach in a way that was able to reach me. I had a real big problem with a technical writing teacher who treated the course like you're an AP, like third-level English major. Mm -hmm. I'm not an English major, lady. I'm taking technical writing as a computer tech program. Right. Um, okay, fair enough, but the psychology one I have often heard that most people who enter that field do it because they're trying to figure out their own problems. 
I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say most. How about many? But also, like, I'm fascinated by the human mind. I'm fascinated by human behavior. Okay. And like, and I think what I, the last major that I switched to was economic development within the Urban Affairs College for Cleveland State. Oh, which. You know what you might like? Hmm. You probably don't even need a degree for it. IOB is hiring. And a lot of those various degrees you have sound like things they would find useful. Various courses you took, not degrees. Um, I don't think you need a degree. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. In our backyard, IOBY. It is a charity, and they're looking for people. Okay, because I will look them up. Because they have um, recently moved a lot of people up during COVID times. So now they have vacancies in the lower levels. And Okay, that is not the first thing that comes up for IOB. IOBY. Uh, in our... Backyard. It's a local, like, crowdfunding charity kind of thing. For doing, like, local small projects. Okay, I will... And then look on their job board or whatever they got. They were hiring, but a lot of what you're saying, economic affairs, psychology... Absolutely. It sounds like you probably have some coursework they might find useful. And I don't think they're going to require a degree. Well, I really got... Or they might help you finish the degree to get the job. But, like, urban affairs and economic development in particular really stimulated my brain does, does to think, this day. I think the trans like, thing will play in your favor because you're a minority. And I think having been somebody who has suffered from poverty so much, you're going to understand the situation right. of Cleveland locals. Right. Who are trying to do good things in impoverished areas. I will definitely look into this. So it sounds like it's up your alley. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you did a degree or not, you might be able to talk with them and kind of right. work it together. Well, anyway... So, back to my story. Yes, yes. So, like, we had decided together, before we even, you know, got pitched, that I was going to quit my job to go back to school, Mm -hmm. using the money that he was going to make with his dream job, so that maybe someday I would also have a dream job. Okay. He left me a week after. Like, I had quit my job right before we went on that trip, Mm -hmm. and it was right after we got back from that trip that he left. And I had already signed up for classes. They had, I had already paid for them, and like, there was a time like, like in those first like few few days where I was like, I need to, job, I need to withdraw, I need to withdraw from my classes and go back to work because I because I can't afford this. And like, we ended up working out. Like, we ended up negotiating a deal where I would receive enough of our shared savings at that point to finish out my degree and then he backed out of it at the last minute and we ended up getting like compromised thank you and can i also get a water when you get a chance yeah. thank you i've got enough okay and me i go till i'm like rocketing off the scene <laughs> i bet you do it, it really helps my mania i promise i i believe you no, i trust lie. i trust pe- i trust most people to manage their own mental health uh you would be wrong but I, be- I, I like your faith in me. <laughs> and I've lived alone for um, 11 years. That helps sometimes. Yeah, no one can see the things I'm doing to myself. Right. Eating my feelings and all that and like, fun. And like, at this point, like, and I mentioned like earlier, like early in life, I was afraid of living alone. And now it's like, I'm afraid of not living alone now. Because like, at I this feel point, I've been hurt too many times. I feel you there. That's not even getting into like the relationships I've had since my divorce. Thank you.
But, I wonder um, if she realizes that that camera is accidentally pointed at her butt when she comes over here. Not on purpose. That's all right. The video is probably not going up since no one joined us. It would just be the audio. I don't think the video is really showing much. The computer will probably die before I can record it. So I think this is going to be an audio-only one. Possibly. I mean, the audio is probably going to be clearer anyways. Um, uh, do I regret having both the beet heavy meal and the milkshake? Not yet. Not yet. I might regret it by the time I get to the All the protein's in there. I might need to go to the bathroom now. All right. <laughs> Come to So. Talk into the camera. Yeah, really. All right, now we're back. So now you, now you know my basic gist. <laughs> um, okay, so we didn't do anything death yet. We normally start this thing with kind of current. So you specifically came out because you were having trouble with depression. Yeah. So let's talk about your currents. What's going on with you? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to talk about the current things because, like... Whenever I start to talk about the things that are going good, immediately the bad things start, you know, creeping into my consciousness and demanding mm -hmm. to be felt. And then when I start to think think about the bad stuff and talking about those, the guilt starts to say, but what about all the good stuff, you know? And it's like, in my mind I know that it's always going to be a combination of all, all those, all of the above. And even if you have a lot of good things in your life, the bad things will still be there and still will be, like, a factor. But, like, I mentioned poverty. And, like, that is, like... You're... You're never gonna... That's right, you told me that. And, like, um... One thing is that, like, I don't own a bed. I sleep on the floor. Son of a bitch, I wish you told me that. Yeah. There was one on top of my car earlier today. You could have had it. Fuck me. I can still well, get it if you, if you need a bed. I, I can go be get able, it. I wouldn't be able to put it into my car, though. What <laughs> kind of car you got? I got a tiny little uh, hatchback, uh, Yaris. Hey, again. It's in pieces. It's in pieces. It's my dad's medical bed. It's a twin size. It kind of goes up and where down. Where is it currently? It's at the Council for Aging. The Council for Aging is closed until Monday, so it's sitting outside next to their pod, illegally dumped. <laughs> um, so, um, I can go get it and unillegally dump it anytime if you really need a bed. Um, the other thing is that, like, I feel... But you can also pass on I feel this extreme mental block against asking for help with anything, including things like carrying a bed up three flights to my apartment. Um, I understand that, a feel. Um, I can... This one is one that you wouldn't necessarily need help with. It's in so many pieces. Right. That, we can, we that can even sounds, look at it and you say nay. That does sound good, actually. You can say nay, and we can move from there. And the mattress is, it's meant to be, like, go up and down with the bed, so you can actually just crunch the thing in half. Because, like, we could do that tonight if that's... Yep, absolutely, you can follow me. It's about five or six miles from here. All right, then. I so, might have to pick up gas before, before heading that way, because I think I'm on the... I have a... Yanni. My car has... It's not on E. The thing is, I have a digital uh, fuel gauge, which means it has eight little little 
battery bars. <laughs> and it is now on the last battery bar, which blinks. As if to say, refill me. Okay, I mean, yeah, I don't mind. Don't, don't ever feel qualms about asking me. Mm-hmm. Most of what I get, I never pay right. for. I, I do a lot of trash picking. My dad got a new bed paid for. Um, through Medicaid, like, and he needed the other one gone. Because I feel like... So honestly, you're helping us out. Because here's the thing, like, not having a bed... I haven't had a bed for a year and, and you a half. You can be fancy and go up and down robotically. Like, I have... Um, for a little while, I had a an air mattress that someone else had... Um, basically oh given me. I think it was, you know... I would take the nom- plastic Nominally cover. alone, but then... I'll take the plastic cover off and throw it away. Um, but then the air, air mattress popped. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, if you need anything, I trash pick so much, I'll always find it. Well then, I will, uh... Give me a list and I'll keep my eyeballs out. Okay. I have the a big, big old man. The big thing is the bed, because, like, the thing is when you're depressed and sleeping all day, sleeping on a floor just makes everything worse. Right, and then, you know, worst case, it's like, eh, I really like this, so I'll keep my eye out for a better one later. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll get you by till then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be, like, a game changer, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. I, I kind of just illegally dumped it, <laughs> so let's go undo my illegal activities. Um, um... Yeah, so you're poor, not feeling well. Like, How's your living situation? Are you going to keep it? Or are you in risk apartment. of losing it? I have an apartment that I am so far paying for. And have you I tried have... some COVID help things? There's certain things out there for people that might be struggling with. At least... I'm sure there are. Like, again, the severe mental block against asking for help. Because, like... In my experience, I can't think of a single time when asking for help has not made things worse. Okay. <laughs> I mean, worst case, I mean, they can tell you no, but if it's weighing the options, if it's homeless right. or asking for help. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've, I've gone, when I was, like, when I started to, when homelessness was threatening, mm-hmm. um... Uh, I did, like, reach out, I was still, at the time I was still a student at CSU, and I reached out to their resources, and they put me in contact with some organizations, and what these organizations told me was that they could not help me until I actually became homeless. I've heard that before. I have heard that before. Um... But in COVID time, if, like, you're threatened to be evicted, a lot of them are paused right now. Um, my friend's house has been in foreclosure for the entirety of COVID, and they're not allowed to proceed forward with but, it. Like, other than that, like, I've got a job which doesn't pay quite enough, but it's barely adequate, and I can do it. But I'm not great at it, and I don't really enjoy it. What is it you do? I um, I work at a group home for people with disabilities. Ah, my brother does that. There's. Well, he does the in-home, like watching them, basically. Right. Um. They used to work in the group homes. Um, and like, I like it for what for I like it for now. Um, much like the gas station, if I think about doing this in 10, 20 years, that is the most depressing thing I can think of. 
because like it's not it's not playing to my strengths. It's not that I don't. It's not that I have anything against the people that I'm caring for or the people I'm working with. It's it the job does not play to my strengths, and so I'm constantly running up against the feeling of inferiority because the things that I need to be doing are the things that I'm just not naturally good at. None of the jobs I've ever had really felt like I was doing anything important, anything valuable for me. It felt like monotony. And like, and just like knowing that like I was this close to finishing my degree and actually having like a foot in the door for like a, a whole different kind of work. Is the opportunity still there in for future semesters when they open them up physically? See, or are you like, like behind I'm them? Not, I'm not even sure. Like, are you behind them? Some I, kind of payment or something? I somewhere? would have to. I am definitely behind on some kind of payment. I okay. Um, I it would depend. It, a lot would depend on money. A lot would depend on how much the university is willing to forgive. <laughs> you might have. I I feel like the following semester coming up after summer, they're gonna probably try to start opening a lot more things physically. And considering the amount of money they've lost in the last few years, you may have some place to work from. I would suggest going to speak to the council over the summer. So you got yourself a three-month period to try to work it yeah. out a little bit. Yeah, but in the, in the meantime, though, like, it's harder, it's harder not just focusing on the day-to-day. -day, I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. And, like, get going to work and, like, at the butt crack of dawn, Ooh, I, doing a job that... I hate waking up early. Uh, to me, it's oh, like waking up. I am. I'm actually naturally a morning person. I am not. Um, the thing is, like, I have chronic insomnia, which, Oof. Um, which means that when I have, when that's flaring up, that makes getting up really, really early a Hard, living hell. Because you didn't go to sleep. Yeah. But when I am healthy, when I am sleeping, I, I am definitely much more of a morning person than most people. I know. I'm. I'm like a. I'm like a midday guy. I'm not a night owl. I'm not a. I had a second shift job for years, and that was about my right uh, uh, schedule. Like uh, I could wake up around nine or ten each day, and that's about my normal schedule. If I could do what I do naturally, instead I'm waking up at like four forty-five a.m. I hate it. I hate it so much because it just murders the rest of my day because I'm so fucking lethargic even when I get out of work. And I take a nap, sure, but then I won't go to bed on time. And fuck me and my old white guy problems. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got problems, and like, I think... Yeah, see the scars on my wrist? That was a surgery. It made it worse. My scars are not quite as... No, 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 these ones were from an actual intended thing. Um, I had carpal tunnel surgery. Made it worse. Because apparently I might have some kind of autoimmune disorder, like rheumatoid arthritis. Which probably would have been good to find out before you cut my wrists open. Because I'm an artist. And can you guess what I need a lot of? Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I spend all day working on a computer. I run a blue light scanner. It's a 3D scanner for quality things. And I have definitely used it for my own nefarious purposes. I bet. I, I, I am selling the shit out of little Optimus Prime hands. Because I'll 3D print them at the library and sell them for a markup on eBay. And because I have the little figures toys, I'm a toy nerd. I scan them, go to the library, had them printed, now I sell them. Is that legal? No. Strictly speaking, probably not. As I'm sure there's some copyright something or other licensing that I'm not doing. 
If I called them robot hands and not Optimus Prime hands, there's nothing they can do about it. Oh, no, wait, because I am taking the exact design and copying it. Yep, it sure is illegal. But I don't think they're going to come after me. I think I'm fine for pirating toys. I'm sure you just get some small symptoms of arthritis, which bothers me because my dad got arthritis, started getting arthritis sometime in his, not as young as me, but around middle age. Um, and what he eventually found out was that it was animal products that were at least triggering the arthritis. Mm. And I love milkshakes. Oh God, man, I'd have a problem if they said no meat. I could not be a vegetarian. I'm way too fucking Irish. Um... I mean, in my life, I'm 38. I broke my leg twice when I was a kid, five and seven, same place. Made the leg an inch shorter. So I spent my whole life with everything leaning that way. And then I thought it would be really smart to take a snowboarder's jump when I was about 26 uh, with a sled and cracked two of my vertebrae, which then further shifted all my weight down on that side. Then I got divorced and had to work 70-hour weeks. And eventually wound up tearing an ACL because of, you know, bad body mechanics. Right. So I had ACL replacement. But about a month before the ACL replacement surgery, I had a hernia. In the exact same place at the exact same age as my father. We have very persistent genetics along my father's side. I have bone loss and gum recession in my jaw. I have perfectly healthy teeth. The thing that's holding them in are just going away for no reason. Which Don't might, love which I found out not too long ago, is possibly autoimmune related. The terminal illness my dad is dying of: multiple sclerosis and autoimmune disorder. Oof. Yes, um, I voluntarily had a vasectomy recently because I'm on CareSource and I have had enough babies. One is quite good, and I enjoy having sex without protection. So, I'm, you know, I might die of AIDS now. Well, no one's dying of AIDS anymore. Yeah. But I mean, I not, might catch not something else if I'm irresponsible, but at least I won't knock anyone up. And like, I did quite well with there the ways, And there are also ways of preventing HIV. Um, mm. The prep and all that stuff, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not overly concerned because you also have to be sexually active. So, barring that. Yeah. Like if you have, if you're with a partner who's had, who's on prep, that also. So I've had issues with my hand since I was 19. I've had tingling and numbness and extreme cramping when I use my hand. Drawing, Katie, guess what? I am an artist. Tools, hammers are not great. Wires, wires hurt. Um, but I still do all that because I'm not gonna stop doing all that. But these two fingertips have been kind of tingly for the better part of a decade. Um, so I went and had the surgery because, you know, I had testing and they said, yep, you've got some carpal tunnel. And they're like, this will help it. Okay. Right. And then they did it and now it's worse. And now I've got pain along the sides of my hands here. So I think there's nerve damage. So. I get, I have started getting this thing where if, um, my finger will get stuck in this position. Oh, it did it again. <laughs> so now we've got this, so now we're talking about our slow deaths. <laughs> the... Yes, the, um, yeah, I'm 33 now, and I'm, I can now say that my body has started its decline. Yeah, I felt it at 30 pretty good. It started going down, and then, of course, beating myself up didn't help. 
And like, and my, I was pretty fit for a while. I was weightlifting. I was running long distances. And like, over the past few years, just with all the things that I've been dealing with, I have every single one of my healthy habits that I've spent years building up gradually dropped off. And my diet has always been pretty awful. And like, and like, I am sober from alcohol for three years and seven months. Okay. Um, Drugs and alcohol have never been my problem. I've never smoked. I've never I taken any. I didn't have an alcohol problem illegal until drug. my divorce. The divorce was what went took me from moderate drinking, mild to moderate drinking, to binge drinking, drinking almost every now, day. Now, at twenty six was my first time getting drunk, and that was the birthday immediately following my divorce, because I got divorced from a waitress at the Olive Garden, and was hooking up with another host there. So everyone at the Olive Garden knew the whole story. Right. So I said, hey, I'm going over to this bar for my birthday. And they all showed up and just fucked me up. I had a friend that took care of me, though. I pre-planned my friend to take care of me ahead of time. I was, like, doing this thing where I was like, I better budget my money better. So I'm going to buy the the large jug of the cheap vodka and make it last a month. And instead made it last a week. <laughs> Yeah, that hadn't been... Now, I, my younger brother had a lot of problems with drugs growing up. Um, he's caused some permanent brain damage from it, and he's just now getting over the last round of it. But my mother and his wife have really babysat him. Um, he hasn't been working in a couple of years because of it. Um, but growing up watching him do the stupid shit, and then also at 14 I started working because it was at that age that I kind of realized that my family has no idea how to do anything. Like, they don't know how to adult. So what I'm going to do is the exact opposite of them, and I feel like that's worked out pretty well for me. So if I saw my brother do a bunch of drugs and my father, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's probably not the right way to do it. I feel like now, I... I... I have had a lot of problems with shoplifting. I've been arrested more times than I should have got away with. And almost all of it is expunged. That's good. Yeah. But I fucked up more than I should have. Yeah, and that's another white thing. <laughs> white, white guy thing. It's, you know, I never really analyzed the psychology of it, other than I think it's a material thing. Like, I'm kind of a hoarder. So, but I'm an organized hoarder. Part of it is well, compartmentalization. Like getting getting a getting a second chance is definitely a white thing. I Oh, yeah. If I was black, I'd be in prison. Uh, or gay, I would have had a lot. And I would not be a good person to survive in prison. I'd be dead real yeah, quick. I figured. <laughs> uh, it'd either be my mouth or mentally. I'd kill myself. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm trans, so that's a whole other problem with prison. It's like, which prison are they going to put me in? I don't know. <laughs> right. And you know, there's a podcast called Ear Hustle. It's out of San Quentin. And there is an episode that deals with that, too, where these people were put in, and it, they were put into prison before kind of a lot of the trans movements we've seen recently. So they were put in the prison based on the gender of their birth. Um, and they had to deal with that. And, like, as a trans guy, I the dangers of being quite placed in the wrong prison or the wrong whatever, like, it's not as prominent for me because, like, if I get if I get placed with guys, 
whatever. I'm a guy. I'll fit in somehow. I'll be gay as fuck, but like. As long as you're okay. Yeah. yeah. And like. I'm worried like, more about I've, the non consensual I've, I've parts of that. I've got to like. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's gonna be like an issue, but like, but if I end up being being placed in a women's prison, I'm like, all right, I will be with women, and like, they might not be comfortable with it, but I know that I can be trusted because I know that I'm not gonna do that shit. Um, yes. Um, I have been poor though, but not nearly as poor as you, because I. I'm kind of a workaholic on a lot of things. Like, ever since my divorce, I've never stopped working because I felt like what led to my divorce was my complacency, is that I didn't notice things, is that I didn't do enough. So ever since my divorce, I've worked constantly, be it at school or anything else. I've helped, I've had a, I've dealt with a lot of unemployment. Like, I don't want to sit still. I have, um, I dropped out of college the first time in 2009. Right when the economic crash oh, was the whole it, housing the market most, and like, everything. Yeah, yeah. And like so it's like suddenly I was like, okay, and like and I had not had a job at all at that point because I was I came from a middle class family that became upper middle class by the time I went to college. My parents never pushed me to get a job as a teenager. I in retrospect I really should have I pushed myself to get away from my family. Yeah. Or it's like I was like should I get a job or should I enjoy my summer vacation? I'm going to choose summer vacation because that I've always been like, I've always been lazy. That's the thing. I'm, I'm fundamentally a very lazy, lazy person. And I, I, I admit that I am willing and able to work hard when I need to, but if I don't need to, it is really hard for me to actually get myself to work hard. Motivation. Yeah. Okay. I get it. What would you think that ties into a depression thing or is it like a, uh, feeds it feeds each other kind of thing. I don't know. I don't like, know. You feel like you're lazy, so you get depressed, and you're depressed because you're lazy. I don't think of laziness as a negative trait. Okay. Honestly, I think that I think that the, nat- the natural human tendency should be toward laziness because, like, we live in a society that values work a whole lot more than I think we should. Um, I I wish they would value work that didn't pay. Because I could live the rest of my life without ever having a paying job and never, ever be bored. I have enough uh, ideas to do things now for the rest of my life, and I come up with new ones every day. But none of it fucking pays, so therefore it's not valuable to anyone. I think my attitude is work should have a purpose. Okay. And if... And my attitude when I was a teenager was... Um, I'm going to school, I'm working on figuring out who I am and what I want with my life, I know that adulthood is coming, Mm -hmm. and I want to try to be ready for it, but at the same time, I will never have my childhood again. So, I have, there was a time when, like, like, for instance, I was, I flunked out of algebra the first, first year of high school, and because there was a person sitting next to me who was much more interesting than algebra, and, um, and I was offered to either take algebra in summer school, or take it the next year, and be 
and like have to double up wouldn't even have to double up because like the math requirements like i had had enough advanced uh advanced classes earlier in my education that i was already technically a year ahead so like it was just a matter of you know like graduating at the exact same time and just like having like one more like or one less elective and or free period later on okay or take it this year or take it in summer i was like well i mean i want to go visit my cousins this summer yep and like i don't regret that decision what I do regret, though, after this point, is never having taken any summer job or after-school job just to, like, get myself into, like, just to have something to put on a resume by the time I dropped out of college in 2009. Because when I'm entering the workforce in my as, as a 21-year-old with no experience, no degree, nothing, mm-hmm. it's difficult. It was damn near impossible. Yeah, I see all these jobs too with the current market and people finding it more valuable to do on unemployment than work, Mm -hmm. which they're changing now. It's going to be the 19th. Uh, Here. Um, I've seen all these now hiring signs. Denny's has one. Everyone has it. They're doing everything in their power to get people to work except paying them more. Yeah. I wonder if they occurred... That's Giant Eagle, and they're like, now hiring, starting at $11 an hour, and then in asterisks, exclusions apply. 11? Why the fuck would we work here? I have my job right now. I'm a frontline worker. I'm a frontline medical worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I am responsible for making sure that that eight people get the right medication in the morning and not mixing any of them up. You know how much I get paid? Not enough. 11 an hour. Yep, it's not enough. And that's after a recent $1 raise. I started at 10. (laughs) So during COVID, I was unemployed before COVID happened. Um, During COVID, I I got to a point where I had to take any job. So I, be- I became a manager at the dollar store, and they were offering an extra $2 an hour. So I made $15 an hour as a manager at the dollar store. Then they took that away. Then I found out, without telling me, six months into the jo- nine months into the job, they took $2 an hour away from me and didn't tell me. And then I called the district manager and said, did you guys make a mistake with my check? What's going on with this? Well, that's the part-time pay. What? There's a different pay for part-time? Oh, yeah. I've been on this, I've been part-time for nine months. I've never been full-time because you cut everyone's hours to make sure no one's full-time. Oh, well, yeah. He didn't even answer me directly. He says, oh, I think that is. I'm like, you know what it is. You know what they did to me. Okay, this is my two weeks notice because I'm not going to accept $2 an hour. $10 an hour is what they wanted to start paying me when I started at 15. So over the course of nine months, they dropped my wage $5 an hour. Are you fucking kidding me? Why would anyone do this job? And that's why you go into retail stores and nothing stops the store's dirty because there aren't enough people there. Does it ever occur to you to pay your employees more? Ever? I think when I left the gas station, I was making eight fifty. dollars 
And that was after receiving several raises. Um, I worked at a gas station for one day. Not work out well for me. I just, oh man, I have so many stories about the gas station. You make your own clerks, man. Come on. I was uh, there's a uh, one of our previous episodes was to it. It was about retail stories. One of my too. favorite stories from the gas station. This late. This is this is this is a gas station, Rocky River, uh, which is a western suburb of, of Cleveland. It's kind of. It's not. Super bougie, but it's a little bougie. Little bougie. It's Pretends at very to be bougie. least. It's at very least uptight, conservative. Oh boy. Um. Anyway, so I work at a gas station. There's, it's a small gas station, but it's on a very busy corner, right across from a big, um, shopping, uh, complex. So yeah, we get lots of business. This lady. It's pumping gas at pump number five, which is my least favorite pump. <laughs> I actually had, I actually had feelings about the individual pumps, but um, she's pumping gas, and I look out and I see her do like waving her her hand in front of her face with this like look on her face and I'm like and, and then I like squint and I'm like and I'm noticing that there is gas spraying out of the hose up above her head and I'm like oh my god I reach over I push the button that shuts off all the pumps yep, because yep. You, you gotta right and then and then and then like I run out and I'm like oh my god are you okay can I like help you like wash your hands or or or, or anything like keep the bathroom whatever and she's like why did the pump stop? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's leaking. Did you she's see doing, this? She's doing this. She like, is like, why does it stink? It's like she is getting sprayed in the face with gasoline, and she wants to know why I stopped the pump. <laughs> You're being sprayed in the face, lady. That's why. I'm going to guess she had dementia or something. No. Well, I mean, I don't think so. She, she wasn't. Un, she was like, I would guess, in her 40s. So maybe dumb. Maybe dumb. Maybe she, dumb. She might have been dumb. Mm. But, like, some of the older ladies, though, um, I really felt for because a lot of them had never taken care of their cars because that was their husband's job. And then their husband passed away or, you know, had to be moved into a home or something like that. So suddenly they had to figure out how to take care of their car. And there's one lady pulled in. She was, like, a regular uh, uh, customer of the... Uh, shop and like she pulled in like she had called ahead on her cell phone saying that there was a problem with her car and she was, and she was coming in and like um what she said was well there's a there's a light that's blinking on my dashboard and i looked it up in the in the manual and it said that it means there's a hazard and i want to make sure that whatever the hazard is it get, gets fixed guess what it was the emergency lights the <laughs> she had the hazard lights on. No, lady, you, and she you did turned not know because you probably pushed it when you pushed the the turn signal or something. Exactly, she did not know what the hazard lights were. She just knew that there was this big blinking triangle on her dashboard. You turned the hazards on yourself, oh. which meant you probably drove all the way from home with your hazards on. Yeah. <laughs> Why is my car blinking? It's called the turn signal. Have you ever heard of using it? 
<laughs> I'm teaching a teenager to drive right now. Oh. Uh, one of my friends' kids. It's the guy, the kid who helps me out at my studio. Um, and I'm very clear to establish that the turn signal should be used. And I'm going to point it out every time we see someone not using it, that person there is a moron. Because he lives in Cleveland, where people walk right. diagonally across the road at the middle of the night wearing dark black clothing. Guilty. <laughs> Are you trying to die? Like, <laughs> yeah, <it>? probably. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be traumatized by murdering you, okay? okay? Please don't. I usually do it when there's absolutely no cars on the road. It happens every time. And we don't go that far down Cleveland. We go from its house to there. It's a five miles. And every time there's somebody that walks across that jumps out in front of us. So I want to make sure he pays attention. All right. Yeah. I do not envy you because, like, I remember learning to drive. It's that was hard enough. Good training when I have to change my kid in another eight years. And like, um, honestly, um, I don't know what that kid's parents are like, but I can say that learning to drive from the parent that I have the worst relationship with was certainly uh, a challenge. Yeah, my mother would not get in the car with me. She, to this day, she refuses to drive with me if she can avoid it. One of the only two times that parent Mom, has ever struck me was I'm in the I'm a better car. driver than you. Uh, my dad made a mistake once teaching me to drive. Other than that, he was pretty fine. Uh, but this kid doesn't have a dad. His dad took off. Uh, and the mom is single and doesn't have a car. And he wants nothing more than to get the fuck away. <laughs> and get his own place and all that stuff. I'm like, all right, kid, well, step one, you need a car and a license. So let's start with the license. I took him up and got him his temps. He studied. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, he's, not a, he's, he's a smart kid. He's in AP classes and everything in school, but he's in Cleveland schools. So not great. Um, so he's got potential. He just doesn't have anyone to help him. Glad he's got you. Well, I make him do lots of work for free for me, too. I'm like, like, a, like, like I was saying before. He's distracted to, lately, too. He's got a girlfriend now. Ah. Oh, yeah, teenager, ah. girlfriend. So he's constantly texting her on the fucking phone and all that shit when I'm trying to tell him, go do all the free work for me. Come, what are you doing? <laughs> it's good training for when I have my own kid. Get that age. It's hard enough now. I've, I've ruined my kid with Transformers and Power Rangers because I have a massive collection and now he's constantly asking everyone to buy him a new one. Because I'm constantly buying myself a new one and then just giving it to him to play with. Because <laughs> then he has the patience to transform it and I don't. And then when he's looking for one guy and tears out every guy, it's not tearing out a dozen guys, it's tearing out like 50 guys. Yeah. All my fault. Yeah, I'm glad I was never much of a collector because it really makes having to move every couple of years a lot easier. Yeah, I'm not an easy guy to move. So we're at 9.14. I feel like we've probably hit near the end of the road of this. Um, never talked really about death in general. We talked adjacent to death. Uh-huh. Which is fine by me. Um, so I'm just going to hit stop. See you know.
doesn't see you. Aha, you're stuck. I'm the one. <laughs> Can't get it right, can I? I could if I wanted to. I'm not too concerned. I think if it's closer, then we lose more. True. I know I'm assless. Some of the people I have their coffee things without a mask. Was that the only one you got there, or is there more? Oh, he's the only thing. Just in case. set up shops but in this era how many have set up a virtual shop it would make it much more accessible okay now or i have thought about doing it on huh? i wear shoes i noticed that <laughs> what did i get it's just him with water oh okay. i got the crazy spicy scissors fillet okay and a strawberry shake okay you want the coffee right yeah i went to a hotel of course you did I had planned an event and then forgot I was, my mother planned an event the next day before. She called me yesterday and said, hey, we're having a cookout tomorrow. Morning. Okay, I can't not show up, I got my kid. You got to. Yep. And you got to butter with you. Yeah. All right. So she ordered, so I'm gonna start the official. A second here. You can do a quickie, we'll just do a quickie intro. Um, I'm Ryan. Uh, anything you want to put out? Like, if you want to direct a Welcome to Denny's Day. Uh, I'm Ryan Kinney of Kinney Man Productions. Our beautiful blessing is great. I am Psyche Stells of Poetry. Um, writing various things. Not really active anywhere right now. Stay tuned. Yeah, we are. Uh, well, but um, this is uh, technically our Memorial Day death special. We're going to talk about death, but there is only two of us here that have shown up. Apparently, death scares people away. Um, well, so whether or not that's what we focus on is up in the air. It may go wildly off the rails. It could be death that scares people over. It could be the fact that it's a national holiday. Could be COVID. Yeah. This is a kind of our first public gathering since COVID. Yeah. We are both vaccinated. Yeah. We have this doubling on uh, Zoom. We have not had anyone join us. Yeah, it sounds like we're just being watched by a computer. We're watching ourselves on the computer. It's very masturbatory. So we're in the back of Denny's actually, verbally. 
verbal masturbation. We'll see how, we'll see if it changes to any other kind. Um, so as a quickie, you said, stay tuned. You were mentioning the tarot readings and I thought threw the idea out there that maybe online you shot yeah. that with Twitch. Yeah, I was thinking about doing tarot readings over Twitch. Um, two barriers to that are number one, technology, because I don't have an especially powerful computer right now. Um, although I suppose if I'm not like streaming a really heavy game or something like that, might not matter that much. Yeah, I'll kind of shut out, shut down some background things. Yeah. I mean, this computer over here for Zoom is five years old. I, I feel like, like I feel like I would have an easier time doing this. It's already got this order. Thank you. Yes. So, um, but uh, the other barrier to that would be just the old-fashioned imposter syndrome, like feeling like I'm good enough at it, even though every time I have done a reading for someone else without without pay, um, they've been extremely uh, gratified and felt that they received good wisdom from it. So I feel like it's just getting to the point where I'm ready to try and then try it. Not that these identity days are ever wildly popular, but if anyone's listening and ever wants to shoot some ideas out there, feel free to comment. Uh, or you can, uh, if you know someone else that's doing something similar, shoot us a link and check it out. And actually, there's another thing, actually, speaking of um, trying new things, pretty much the last thing I tried before um, COVID started was. Stand-up comedy for the first time in my life. Oh, I tried one of those offline. And like, well, here's the thing. I tried it and I was good at it. Hey. I got several laughs. And I enjoyed it and I felt confident doing it. And when I when I you know went home that day, I felt like I am definitely doing this again. This might be the thing that I that I'm you know best at. And then COVID happened. Then COVID. And the thing is, like, I know it's possible to do comedy without a live audience. But I feel like as someone who was just starting out, yeah, you gotta, and you gotta make your bones. on getting that um work out the mechanics. Yeah, and, and like just being able to like hear the laughter immediately when and, and knowing what gets to laugh and what doesn't. And like knowing what plays well on stage, it's it's like I feel like I need that feedback during the early phases of, of you know learning a new skill, and it is a skill. Um, but like I'm not the most like socially confident person in the world. Uh, I I'm 33 right now, uh, and like it has taken me this long to actually learn how to be socially confident in certain situations. I have learned, I have figured out how to how to go to parties. That is something that did not come back. You know, I kind of went backwards. I was always a guy that didn't give a shit about anybody. So I went, I kind of did my own thing and was clearly an asshole. And then later on, I started doing this thing where I would just go to a party and have time to go. 
it became an excuse to be able to drive home without anyone else being drunk. But then it became funny because I'm like, I want the interaction with people to go, what happened to Ryan? <laughs> so I guess it's probably an ego thing. You know? Like, I want them to have a mis- But it's kind, of, it's kind of an anti-ego, though, because like you, you're, um, you're not thriving on the immediate knowledge that you're no, and in most cases, they'll probably go, Eli, oh, okay. <laughs> Just like the idea of like, I can disappear. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> but like what, but what I've been doing since then is like, I have this file on my computer that is called comedy question mark. I just put in like all the stories that I hope to one day try on a comedy stage. And I think that it might be time to start trying to look at the ones comedy that I can go to because you know, are starting to look up. So we got a few ideas on that. Have you heard of a local comedian called Bill Squire? No, I haven't. All right. So I feel like he grew up in a boat that you're kind of in. He's pretty open about having stage fright and low confidence and body image issues as well. I had terrible stage Um, Because he, he grew up as a chubby kid, was terrible at school. Um, still a big guy. But he uh, is one of the co-hosts on Alan Cox Show, 100.7 in the evenings, like two to something to the seven, maybe six. Um, but if you go, he also has free albums online. Uh, yep, that's a dude. All right. Um, he, and it's Bill Squire at alancockshow.com. He's pretty easy to talk to. You can hit up his Twitter or whatever. And you tell him where you're at. Uh, there's a comedy club in Cleveland. Uh, and they do open mics. And this guy's pretty cool. And then there's also another co-host on that show, a woman named Mary Santora. Same thing. She's just starting out. And she was a bartender her whole life and had a terrible alcoholic. Blackout drunk alcoholic, and now she's sober and trying to make her dreams come true to the point that she had to dump her fiance and all sorts of stuff because yeah. he wanted the family and the settle down, and she wanted the I want to go to my dreams. But I think Bill's definitely your jam, and uh, just kind of read up on his story, and I think it'll give you a few ideas of what because he started. He was a Mormon. He got kicked out of the religion because he went on his mission to Thailand. And slept with a lot of the local prostitutes oh. and started corrupting people. I don't see why that should be a problem. I mean, they're they they are, but it's against the Mormon religion. Um, you know what? Actually, first turning on to the idea that this might be something to try was so I'm a, uh, I'm a longtime poet, and for a long time I've been a performing poet. Sometimes I've been like. Not all of my poems are that serious. Some of them do are, are humorous, but um, most of them are very dark and depressing. But what I but what what you can do in poetry is when you're when you're performing, you can introduce each poem with like a short anecdote or or, or, or comment or, or something like that. This is a poem about blah blah blah. I found that I was getting laughs in my little intros. I was like, I, I could like, I could like, you know, just in, and, and like, I could have a serious poem, but I could have a funny intro. I'm always much harder on myself when it comes to the poem because there is an old acronym that I would go by through. Resist the urge to explain. Yeah, like and, and, tell the poem. And, and, I never, and, and I would never introduce my poems with an explanation. Like people are trying to like, I, I promise you this is good because yeah. it lacks 
confidence in the work that's yeah. going to follow. Whereas, like, I would be like, um, um, like, for instance, I would have a poem that I wrote um, that was about, like, being in a, in a dead end job that John Stimler. Like, I, I wrote this poem while I was working at a gas station or something like that. You know, so just something to like give, give a tiny bit of context or just like, you know, just like, so it's not going in cold. And I feel like going in cold, there's, there's nothing wrong with that person, but I don't really feel, I feel like that takes a different kind of Well, and you're doing the warm up, which is more of a performance thing than yeah. poetry. Poetry thing is less of a performance as it is stating the word about yeah. the work, not about the performance yeah. as much. Yeah, and like, and I do feel like there's a difference between performing a poem and just reading it. Mm -hmm. I, my, I aspire to perform, I, I aspire to like, do more than just read the words that are on the page, because I feel like if, if I'm just reading the words that are on the page, people may as well just be reading the poem. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for me to be there in flesh and blood on the stage in front of a microphone using my human voice. And like, and I may as well use that to its fullest potential. I've got only two that are considered only best in perform. I've got one that should never be read, yeah. never be performed because it's just, it's, just like it's really monotonous. It's only meant to be read. But I got one called Hammer where the first couple of times I performed it was at Destructive and in between each stanza, I would smash it to the table. Now, I can't do that on a stage, although I have read that on stages, but I just replaced that with smash, the word smash. Um, and then I got one called Identity Crisis that can be performed on stage, and that's where I'm arguing with myself. Uh, my, my friend Aaron Kosernik uh, does some of these with us in EIDG Productions. Um, I've tried to get him to make uh, films of a few of my works. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I, yeah, he's the only one over. Okay. No, but can I get a refill? Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Thank you. All right, I'm glad you're happy with it. Can we get all the nice ambient food sounds? <laughs> you're taking the foodie picture too? Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, you did just say. I'm like, okay, oh, you right back. Thank you. Do you want to refill on your coffee? Uh, so while you're getting yourself prepped to chew down, I'll give you a few more uh, to-dos coming up that might be some opportunities for you. Uh, so Ingenuity Cleveland has gone back to doing public events. Nice. So uh, they're doing outdoor thing called Neighbor Nights. So the third Thursday of each month, there is an abandoned building one block from 55th and St. Clair. Okay. So yes, yes, and it's right. It's a few blocks from where the Ingenuity actually is. Um, and each one is themed. The next one coming up is going to be move, like get out there and exercise and stuff like that. Right. The one in July is called The Power of Words. So you can guess when I jumped in and says, I got some stuff for you. I got all those freebie books we make. 
um, do beautiful blasphemy. I've got, I used to host workshops for making poems out of kind of words. So there's an activity. And how many poets don't have their venues anymore? Exactly. And I know a ton of them because I went to every one of the Cleveland ones and I know the Erie people. So I'm trying to talk them into doing a open mic there. Uh, I'm really trying to talk them, in, at least for this next one, to bring out my sculpture, which is that big piano thing. Um, that would make a great performance venue also for a virtual. Mm -hmm. One of these is the TV throne I'd like to use too. That has to be added to it. You can't leave the building. Because it's got a security camera on it that I can wire to point at the performer and show up on all the TVs behind you. So you'd be surrounded by yourself. Yeah, that doesn't sound terrifying at all. Oh, this is good. But they're behind oh. you, so you won't have to stare at yourself. Yeah. Just yourself would be staring at you. But it also means that if you see pictures of your performance later and you don't like how you look, it could be potentially infinitely worse. Oh yeah. Well it's magnifying. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But that's so that's like like and it's a very it's a way to lighting thing but, to it. But like whenever you're performing, you have to be willing to push your personal comfort zone. That is the nature of performance. And, well, and the TV throne's got this RGB lighting. It kind of does a lot to make you look pretty. Because it the lights are red, green, and blue, like the three projectors in the TV towers. But when they hit you, every shadow comes out with CMYK. So whether you I'd like yourself or not, like. um, go to my Instagram. Uh, there's also an Analog Kingdom folder uh, in the albums on the Amen Productions Facebook page. Uh, one of the cool things about this sculpture is getting your picture eyes. People come sit on the phone and get your picture. So there are hundreds of pictures. Uh, people doing this and it looks best at night in the dark it does exist it, the, the throne itself is called the analog kingdom which was the beginning of what became that story because i made a little story right. book to go with it all that good fun so uh that's kind of my current that's what i've been working on i'm working on building a more than life-size charters for my son his birthday is july 8th and i want to finish it before then and deliver it the night before when he wakes up in the morning as a target. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Good luck moving it. Bye. I imagine that you are a no, no, frustrating co parent. I am, What you had going on now would have been entirely different. It would have been a whole lot of different decisions Yep. And there are quite a few decisions I had to make because I had a kid, including losing the house that I had. I had to move this way to be near one thing and also job. That hasn't really worked out as well as I did. I'm a much better artist than an employee. Because in most places, I usually get bored very quickly, very easily, especially with any time. 
and start searching the internet for things I know are doing. And then I get filled I don't really have that problem so much. Like, that I, I, I was one of those kids who got misdiagnosed with ADD because I was really just lazy. <laughs> I honestly was lazy. My son has been diagnosed with that, and people have accused me. I am not the ADHD. I like Oh, yeah. I can focus pretty intensely on things. But, like, I have, I have the capacity to focus on things. Almost definitely. That's why I could run a marathon. It was just like, okay, I'm just gonna run and not stop. But not stop until I until I reach again. Like that's not even that hard once you put your mind to it. Um, I'm lying. It was hard. No, no, physically like, hard. Yeah. But if you, yeah, it's, it's a mindset. Like, like, yeah, I'm a small guy. I'm not this guy with tons of muscles. But I have lifted things that are hundreds The trick is to trick your, your, your brain into thinking that stopping is no longer an option. Right. <laughs> it's the half of strength is just your mind telling you you're, you're capable of doing this. And that's like half of it is physical ability. And the other like, half is I'm not going to not do it. Right. And like, I'm like, and, and like completely like when I've been um, weightlifting. Like, I remember, like, when I was first going through, through my course, when the ordeal first started, like, the first time I went into, into the gym uh, with this on my mind, I was, I was benching, which is my favorite thing to do because you can lift heavy weights while lying down, and I, and I was, like, doing, like, a relatively low weight compared to what I, what, what, what I knew I was capable of, and I was still, like, you know, I would do one rep, and then two reps, and then I would remember the thing that was going on. And suddenly I couldn't lift it. And I had to do the roll of shame, which is where you roll the bar down your body. You have a spotter? I didn't have, I've never had, whenever I've had a spotter, it's been worse than, than when I. Oh, because you feel like you're being judged by the guy. It's not, it's not just, it's not just that. It's like, I've had people try to like lift the bar off of me when I kind of well handle. I like. It's oh, they're just, just not good at doing the job. Yeah, I'm like and and you know, granted at the time, I was living as a woman, then he contributed to it. But like, ah, still, I see. Like, yeah, men trying to be. Uh, it's not really chauvinism. It's chival mock chivalry. It's it's chauvinism. <laughs> I mean. Be, like okay, so like, yeah. Probably, so like, probably I, I was working at a gas mostly station. a little little b. I was working at a gas station, and, 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 um, and an old man delivered the rotors, like big metal heavy things, mm -hmm. and like you know, you have a stack of four rotors on the counter. I would sign for them, mm -hmm. and then I would pick up the four rotors and start to carry them, carry them back and forth with absolute no difference. I was strong. And this old guy look at me and say, No, you can't carry those. I'm like, I'm not a woman, but I have been a woman. Or people don't think I can do a lot of work. But I'm sure it was people who said, Well, because it's also like, no, there's, there's an implication there. 
Mm -hmm. This is something you can't do because you're a Right. And then I'm sure. And, and like when you're adding on that, the fact that I'm also trans and had nothing else, like it's like is like being limited by something that isn't even part of me. Yep. So uh, you brought up something and the topic of this had been death, but maybe we can talk about something because I don't think you know this part. How about the death of a marriage? Mm. So I will start with my story so you have time to get oh, that's, a, that's something we have in common, isn't it? Yes, because I don't know if you know how my marriage broke up. My son's mother is not my ex-woman. She's a different woman. Um, but my son's mother does know my ex-woman. Did. Um, so I high school sweetheart. Grew up in Madison, little town, uh, moved out together, got engaged, bought a house, and then got married shortly thereafter at 21. I bought my first house when I was 21. Um, a lot due to her hard work. That was kind of her thing, like she had to prove to her father that she was an adult and this was one of her ways, except she bought a house a mile from her parents. Like a lot of people use marriage for as much as a way to jump start. The well, I had good. I had proposed to her long a few years before that. We were engaged before we moved out together. We were kind of just still in high school. Um, so you you notice all the red flags going right. here. Yeah. Um, I grew up in kind of a broken home. Uh, my family was together, but not very well. Uh, I was abused by my mother. My father had some drug problems. Oh, I guess he must be experienced in this. I forgot about the milkshake. You expect a lot of milkshake. Enjoy. Um, I'm depressed. I know how to. How to eat. I, I get it. You're doing this thing hard. <laughs> this is how I. This is how I do. Um. So, uh, so I don't have to keep saying it. Her name is Lisa. I don't care. If, my one friend Aaron is always bitching if I use real people's names. It's silly. No one's gonna sue me. Don't care. Well, you're, it's There's not exactly Lisa's common name. No, no, no. Her name was Lisa. Um, and if you use my first name without my last name, people might be able to track me down. <laughs> um, so we got our house, and she was the kind that sort of worked constantly. Um, she was a waitress. Um, I did lots of odd jobs, factory work. I, I picked up extra jobs at something like Denny's for a few weeks because I told her I could do her job and try to improve it. <laughs> um, the only good tip I got was from when I was I mean, still training. Whatever works. I, I guess, but then I had to explain to him about the opposite also work. Mm -hmm. um, then eventually she got a job at the Oliver, and that was kind of the best she could do as a waitress. Um, then she, so she started, we got the house and she's kind of like in this place, like, what do I do now? I kind of did my goal. So she moved into schooling and popular at the time was nursing. Everybody's doing it because she makes so much money and so on and so forth, right? Except she's not good at school. Um, especially when you are working full-time and going to school too. Um, she was overwhelmed. So she got all those early prerequisites. I did most of those for her. I never went to school. I mean, I never went to college really. I took a few classes at Lincoln, but nothing to do with it. But it was basic like math, chemistry stuff, things like that, that you technically learned in high school. But most people are required to take it again because they forget it all about the time. Because when you get into the actual nursing program, you get the harder stuff. Um, 
So I did a lot of that for her. I did her book reports, her English. Um, I read the books from the Some of these books were wrong. Like, it's the guy who leads the class assigns the book he wrote. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is Kent Ashtabula. Um, that man was very interesting. Anyways, um, so then starts the arguments and all that good stuff. And then finally, she's like, I'm going to have to stop working eventually. So I, she's already working on weekends at the Alabama. Uh, we lived in Austinburg. And to mentor where Olive Garden was, it was like a 45 minute drive. It's not worth it for me to drive out here for a job, but Austinburg did not have a second job. I had a factory job there. I needed the second job to build up the money so that she can go to nursing school. So I could support her. So I'm like, well, you already have a job at the Olive Garden. I'll come do something there and I'll just leave when you do. So we'll be technically making double money. I already knew I couldn't be a server. So I was going to be a host. My interactions with people are great in customer service and Then my sense of humor gets on or I take pictures of the nuts. That happens. This is why I'm going down. One reason. I bet. I bet I know they let me loose in a church before a wedding once, and I put the crown of thorns and I took pictures. That's still here. I took the selfie with the crown of thorns, and I'm like, you left me alone in a church. You know me. <laughs> um, they needed a standing groomsman because one of their guys can't do it. That's right. So, of course, we start having the arguments. Of course, we start having Well, right. So, while she was working as a server in the nursing program, there's an older couple that became regulars during their 50s. Um, and they kind of got really close and talking and served her wildly. Um, found out what she was doing, kind of supported her a lot. She had this weird, strange relationship with her dad, just a lot of animosity. Not really a ton of reasons. Her father wasn't the brightest man, but he was earnest. And he would fully admit he was the brightest man. But he went to work, he worked full time, he did what he did. Um, and he lived honestly. His wife was schizophrenic, and their younger daughter was schizophrenic, which made it difficult on him because he didn't understand, and he came from a world that was a little redneck. Um, and his family abandoned him years ago because his mother was crazy. So they didn't have grand. Yeah. One one set had died off. The other set right. When her when her mother's grandparents died, the siblings, the aunts and uncles, kind of had some real gumption, so they cut them off. Her father's parent, mother, tried to kill him. Started to run him off the road with the car. Lots of lots of growing up things like that. So we just cut him off. Um. It's funny, I remember one of his brothers years later and found out he was crazy. So it was more him and his mother fighting, not just his mother fighting. Um, so, weird relationship with the dad. Has this surrogate grandparent kind of thing. Surrogate parents. They were about the same age as her dad and mom. Um, and then the woman got dementia. And eventually she had to be put in a nursing home. At this point, my wife had gotten the license that's an STNA to kind of try out some nursing things, which I'm still doing that while working the Olive Garden, while going to school. Yeah, and it was on the brink of insanity. And then she's telling me I need to work to make extra money for her, too. And the husband was a manager at uh, First Energy. So he made a good amount of money, so he tipped more than the checks usually were. 
Well, when this woman went to the nursing home, my wife went to become a estimated catfish. Watch. Oh, wow. Then the wife died. Dementia went to work in a year. From the diagnosis to death. So the woman died in her mid 50s. And my wife did not process it at all. Instead, we fought to the point that what was supposed to be saving us money by driving together, the work we couldn't drive together. And we had to work at different sides of the building. Uh huh. Um, although I, like my wife, uh, dearly, and I did. She wound up going out drinking with her husband. Until she stopped, which I didn't actually figure out until afterwards. But it was dumb. People were kind of trying to tell me things. And I was like, no, no, I trust her. I'm like, oh, it's like a surrogate dad. Well, you don't sleep with dad. Unless you have a serious headaches. Or electrical I don't know what the term is. I think I think that like these terms come from the time when the genders were considered so fundamentally different that there was no like female equivalent. It was just this is something I'm go through. Who knows what women go through? You know? Yep. Um so <laughs> and it had been the nights where she stopped coming home. She would spend the night at their place a lot, even before the war passed. Because she would go there and be kind of a living health care for her until she went to this nursing home. It's one of the reasons she had gotten the SMA license, so she could go through the nursing home and get paid more. Um, I mean, I was at the house all the time. And when the wife died, I was a pallbearer. So then she sat with home. And then one night, I'm like, she left for a while and she had the checkbook. And I needed the checkbook to do something. I needed to check something in the checkbook. I found a letter that she had written to the guy on the floor that says, I can't wait until I'm divorced. Oh, and I'm like, I didn't know we were getting divorced. To me. So when, when I got home from work at 2 a.m., when I found this, because like, she was there, I hadn't been there every night, and I was looking in her car for this checkbook, not trying to steal because I had no suspicions. I just needed the checkbook or something. You're married, so it's yeah. reasonable. <laughs> yes. And I saw that and I woke her up and said, We need to talk. She didn't say a word to me. She got my arm the wall. She was scared. She was really scared. Because yeah. okay, she went around later telling people I accused her. And I think that became a justification. And I honestly think she did. Um, we had gotten into fights with her. I had thrown things around. And one time she poured water on me and I bet. Both arguably assault. Right. And and part of it was a reaction. What I didn't mean to was more like someone poured water on me and I just reacted. Yeah. For the same reason I had told her if you like startle me awake, I might end up swinging. Which I explained to every three women that's ever shared my bed. And two that have allowed me to sleep. Like, like distraught mental state, and someone tries to touch me. Like, it touch doesn't make it right. That it doesn't make it right. Brown just wasn't a mental state. It was a place. I struggle with suicide. I like to. Um, I've never gone to the point of taking natural Um, Although I do feel like that. But okay, so that was the end of our marriage. And then I got served papers very shortly thereafter. And because she knew she did something wrong and I didn't, 
I kind of got a fair earthquake. She took most of the money for nursing school. I didn't, I didn't realize she was sleeping. I just knew that she wanted to marry. She came shit out. I had to um, made the mistake of telling her I had to come over to the hospital. <laughs> so she took it with her. Like, damn, it's okay. I still got the pictures. I can never share the pictures because I took them of her when I was 16, which would make her 16. Yeah, those are gone. Right. But at the time, I had them. So, yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's best for things not to anymore. Well, I had kind of grown up with a family. Like, I was over their house every week. And even after our marriage was over, I still came over on Sundays and hung out. They were a problem. Because the schizophrenic mother and daughter, they never saw it. It was just the four of them. So I'd come and hang out and have dinner. Um, and then I'd go to holidays and I'd be there and so would the two of them, her and the guy. Um, and it was um, so eventually I kind of got back on my feet, started like, what am I going to do? Um, and then it was this really smart woman. I to her and I'm like, you're too smart to be worth better. And then she got me to the point where I was like, oh, I can do that. Because I was doing all, that work, all my boss's computer work. And I'm like, why am I not the manager? Oh, wait a moment. So I started looking at school, kind of trying to figure some things out. Then I got fired for my job that I've been at for four years. The longest job I've ever had was like one and a half years. I've had 37 jobs since 14. Some at the same time. Jobs, but my longest place. I eventually do something to either quit or get fired. So you be me. Yes, I either quit or get fired. Um, the next longest was about four years. Um, and then when I lost that job, her dad sent me emails. Sent me an email saying, "Don't come around my family." Wow. Wow. Yeah. I ran into them about five years later. I never had closure on that, never had closure on marriage. My wife ran out the door and came back. Never had closure on them either, my surrogate family. And um, found out about five years later, it was because she was to stop. Um, which, when our marriage broke up, I said, if she ever makes the choice to name her, give her What happened? But he could have just told me that instead of making up a lame Yeah, and that is instead of because it's not like you were, like everybody goes to the So I entered school during the Obama era. Um, Without any of that sort of family, uh, without any sort of job security, I had been working and never got out of jobs. So, and I'm a blue collar family. No job means, yeah, like there's no security. But the Obama era had unemployment last year. I had a ton of money in my 401k. I actually took a trip to Japan. Right? Um, and then paid for my first two years of college. Then I found <laughs> That very smart girl at the Olive Garden. Turns I thought out that might, there might be an end to that story. Turns out um, she was a virgin at 30 something, 30 
Uh, Christian. Uh, waiting for marriage. Had to do uh, do bailed on her and came back and bailed on her a second time, but we didn't do the wedding. So she flunked out of college due to depression and moved back with her parents and spent the next decade working at the Olive Garden. And then Valentine's Day happens, and we're not one of the restaurants. Valentine's Day, and you're single. Especially the Olive Garden, which is supposed to be the landscape. Yeah, so we kind of made out, and then she became the sex, and then a year later, she had And she, the whole time, she would never admit she was a woman. So, and we kind of off and on date for the birthday. Mostly because of her. I'm an unending attraction to her, uh, which is why I'm not as much. Not really interested in them ever, but that might change. But I can't picture myself like that. Right now, I'll just focus on myself. I love her death, and so far, I've gotten to live. Despite dropping him on the I like you well. As a baby, is strange. So that was the death of my marriage. My story. Okay, marriage. My marriage. I was fully legally divorced for my one year anniversary. Oof. Yeah. I, my marriage lasted about five years, and I had dated her about five years ago. Yeah. Um, and like, from, from what I've heard, like, most divorces occur around someone's life about five years. If you're going to get sick of each other, that's about when it happens. That's um, about how long my, my other marriage lasted. Um, but anyway, um, we got married in 2015. Let's see, we had, like, I had, at the time I was living as a woman, at the time, um, so it was married to a man, yeah. Well, it was by the time we got, but we got, we planned the, the wedding for the, the actual worker. Okay. But it was in September of 2015. Okay. So it had been legal for a few months. But um, you see, the thing is, um, I was living as a woman. I was bisexual, but because at the time I had mostly dated men, because it's more convenient for a woman to date men than to date women, because there's just no options. I'll take your word on that. Um, I haven't had much luck with women. Women are just like difficult to date women because, like, you never want to. They have expectations. There's very think, little yeah, expectations like, with men. They they want pretty much yeah. one thing. Yeah, but like, but even men can have their complications. Well, sure, of course. Which we could get into. So I was presumed straight because a bisexual woman dating men always presumed straight. So like I had no like connection to my my queer identity in terms of like where I was living. That, that in addition to like I had I had um, lots of mental health issues that I'm still working on to this day. But all that kind of added up to I wasn't the easiest person. 
never happen. Never will. But like, sound easier now. Probably because you've already figured out more. Yes. Yes. I'm much more. You know more who you are. I definitely know more of who I am. I don't know how. I don't know. See, it's hard to tell how stable I am right now because the material circumstances of my life right now are so like. I'm like spent the past few years constantly on the edge of homelessness. Just like, and that's like, it's just not a, not a place where not, you can yeah, build from. Yeah. You and, don't have and a like, stable but I also, like, I have never been more confident of who I am, what I want, and, and where I'm going. It's just a matter of, like, you don't know where yeah. you know who you are, you don't know how you are. Yes, exactly. How am I? <laughs> but at the time, like I was materially in a much more stable place, but mentally I was just completely lost. And one of the things that one of the ideas that I kind of latched onto at a very early age was the idea that I wanted to be married. I grew up with kind of a unstable family too. No, actually, my parents um, are still happily married. Um, I found that a lot of people have really latch on to doing it right, right, which is definitely what I meant. But I, I felt like I just felt like I didn't want to be alone. I felt like I, I read a lot about like the about biology and anthropology and knowing that humans are social creatures. And that, like, no, we're not supposed to live alone. That's not the way that our brains are, are wired. And I just do it like the best way to ensure that I will not be alone for the rest of my life before we get married. And so I kind of made that into like more than any of the careers I've pursued, I felt like this was a goal. And, yeah, I did a lot of, I did, a, I was extremely romantic, um, crippling romantic. It didn't mean that, like, um, when I, um, was my second ever relationship is with a much older man who already owned a home, a home in Parma. And did not really have any interest in marriage, family. He was just content living alone in his in his uh, um, honestly too big for one person house. <laughs> I lived in my too big for one person house yeah. and like 13. And 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 here I came in my early 20s and he's in his mid 30s, just like just like and like we, we got on really well. The, the, the commitment was there, but I had this idea of what, where a relationship was going to be. I mean, and he kind of just went along with it because he didn't want to break up. Well, he ended up breaking up with me a month before the wedding. Sounds, see, like, yeah, my son's mother um, and her guy. I think that was a lot of it. They had this idea of what was supposed to be, and the guy kept having that same problem. Is that he? He's like, hey, especially with the Christian religion, asking, run in there. This is what we're supposed to do. This is where we're supposed to go. And he's like, I can't focus on it. I want this just because it's safe. And also, I think they were both virgins. I think the sex 
The other way is right is And that man was the man I, I lost my virginity to. Um, but like, so anyway, after that, like I had a few short relationships. One of them was one of the last like a month and a half. I mean, much closer to my age. Here's the thing: he had never kissed. He did not how to kiss. I taught him how to kiss. He did not know that you have to. Fuck him. So, having lost my virginity to one woman, I could not have understood. I learned the hard way, but I did most of it myself. In my case, I honestly think what made us good together sexually because she's exceptionally sensitive, possibly because of a lack of experience. But I think there's a biological aspect of her. She is way too old for her mother. <laughs> I don't even know that. I do not want to um, so yeah, as we're talking about sex, <laughs> um, so I learned of the hard way, but then I, a while ago, I, I figured out that I'm an artist, so treated I have relatively well-developed hands. I have other limitations because I'm a white male, and I'm going to deal with what I got there. And then I, and then I am an artist. artist. Or they isolate them in the lunchroom. Uh, this guy, who I talked to him, I'm so comfortable saying that because again, it's a common name. There's quite a few Georges out there. I mean, you could track them down based on the details, but I, I don't feel like, I don't think I'm going to say like horribly inflammatory music. A matter of public record. <laughs> but anyway, he, after a couple of months during the like he literally just like without puckering his lips at all, just smack his face into yours. Yes, I was like, I'd be like, okay, look, look, you know, really cartoons, people stick their lips out really far. That's, there's a reason they do that because the soft part of your lip, the part that that, that you want to contact. Right. Um, or teeth. And then, and then, and then I got them. Um, but um, my dad knew about when I taught him, I taught him how to do it, and it was hard to because I had to sit down and think. Okay, so what is? How do I describe with words emotion that I'm envisioning in my head? So you have to think back. Okay, what was kissing like back back when it was? <laughs> now, how do I describe that to this person who has never done that before? Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, so anyway, after after a couple months during which I taught I taught him out of this exciting, just a vague sense of dissatisfaction and not feeling like like this relationship was what we wanted. It sounds like well, one, it's that sounds like it could be an excuse for there's someone else. It could be. Or it could be the video game kind of syndrome. Like, hey, well, and like what he told me later was that he was grad school at the time. He was feeling ambivalent about leaving grad school because he was starting to feel bored with it as he did. 
mean, I know it takes a lot to get food wrapped school. And eventually finish it. So at the time he was going through a patch, he just felt like he needed some change in his life. And ending this relationship seemed like a more a more reasonable change to make than quitting grad school. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, why not? Anyway, the next year he contacted me and said and like was interested in hanging out sometime. And I was like, and the thing is I never stopped in love with him. So I was like, I thought about it one more and I said, like, oh, I don't know why. That's the main reason. I'm still in love with him. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we got back together. Hmm. And and he told me that breaking up with me was the worst mistake ever. And that he was committed to my And I still had that idea of my husband's marriage. What I want most. And he has said that he's now, now committed to making sure that we stay together. And I'm like, okay, let's get let's get engaged. Like because I feel because I felt like Age, I would never be able to quiet the anxiety. And as it turns out, it takes a little bit more than, more than that to quiet the anxiety. And like, I always get rid of the Yeah, and I mean, it, it wasn't an expensive one. We, we were, I was actually 
thrilled with the idea of just going to a courthouse and getting things done with. But he was set on having his mother there and having Photographer, like, and like, so he said, okay, so what's the minimum that you need to satisfy that this is like a proper wedding? And we focused on those things. My mother was there. My mother was not. <laughs> we visited my parents' house. Um, but like, um, and I had a dress. It wasn't a wedding dress, but it was a dress. I felt like I was fulfilling my duty, but I also felt horrible about it. But that, but that's fine. You know, what you could do is like all kind, all there's going to be like the rest of my life to as opportunities to to explore my dreams. But like, um, I. We got in fall. We had a really horrible holiday season in which I had severe panic attacks every holiday because I was like, we were like reinventing every holiday. And like, and like there was, I felt like there was a lot of pressure. And then, like, after that, like, this, we went, we drove down to Georgia to visit his father and his wife. Which was pretty atrocious because they are extremely conservative. Like and like he, uh, my then father-in-law made a point of explaining to us how he did not believe that the genders should be one and um and that and like just all kinds of like terrible things. This is what you're supposed to do. Like. We drove home and arrived home late, late home in January. He said, I'm going to go out and hang out with my I don't friend. know. He had had those thoughts. Oh, well, when we were yeah. He told me that he had had those thoughts at least for a month. I really wish I had gotten that from my ex-wife. Like some kind of like talker explanation would have certainly helped for many, many years. I didn't get it until later, but like that night it was just I'm living. You can't change my mind. And me following him out into the, into the street, and like walking down the street, watching his car drive away. Yeah, I've been divorced for 11 years, so I will never get It's But also, like, it's kind of, but having an explanation is really a double edged sword because, like, when you have an explanation, that's just one more thing that you can say. Sorry, this kid is <laughs> also, I like that how he's telling her to be better. So the day he left was the day before our wedding anniversary. Also, 
Here's another element. Um, the financial element. Oh boy. So a couple months before he got married, he finished his master's degree and received his dream job as an engineer for NASA, making more than twice what we had been making combined before that. I was working at a gas station. The day that he got that job offer, he was to eat, celebrate, and like, and I was talking to him, and we were talking about, well, what, what are we going to change because of this? Absolutely. And I think 
having been somebody who has suffered from poverty so much, you're going to understand the situation right. of Cleveland locals right. who are trying to do good things in impoverished areas. I will definitely so it sounds like it's up your alley. Whether or not you agree or not, you might be able to talk with them and kind of work it together. Well, anyway, so, yes, yes. So, like, we had decided together before we even, you know, got pitched that I was going to quit my job to go back to school mm -hmm. using the money that he's going to make with his dream job so that maybe someday I would also have a dream job. Okay. He left me a week after. Like, I had quit my job right before we went on that trip. And it was right after we got back from that trip. And I had already signed up for classes, stayed up, and I had already paid for them. And like, there was a time, like, like in those first like few few days, where I was like, I need to job. I need to withdraw. I need to withdraw from my classes and go back to work because like because they can't afford this. Like, we ended up working out. Right? We ended up negotiating you know, where. I would receive enough of our shared savings at that point to finish out my degree and then back out into the last Thank you. Can I see a little water when you get a chance? And me, I go to like profiting off. It really helps my day, I promise. I, I believe you. No, I trust I trust I trust most people when they just sit on that uh, you would be wrong, but I, I, I like your faith in me. <laughs> I've lived alone for uh, 11 years. That helps sometimes. Yeah, no one can see the things I'm doing to myself, right. eating my feelings. And like, and like, at this point, like, I mentioned like earlier, like, early in life, I was afraid of living alone. And now it's like, I'm afraid of not living alone now. Because like, at I this feel point, you I've been hurt too much. I feel you there. I'm not even getting into like the relationships I've had since my divorce. Like, I wonder if she realizes that that camera is accidentally not on purpose. That's all right. The video is probably not going up since we're doing the audio. I don't think the video is really showing much. The computer will probably die before I can record it. So I think this is going to be an audio only. Possibly. I mean, the audio is probably not clearer, anyways. Uh, do I regret having both the meat heavy meal and the milkshake? Not yet. Not yet. I might regret it by the time we get there. All the proteins in there. I might need to go to the bathroom. All right. Come <laughs> so. Talking to the camera. Yeah, really. Okay. <laughs> 